Where will the rookie receivers go in tonight's festivities? How far will the veteran tight ends get pushed up? And does Genesis Revelations truly set the FFPC ADP? Join us tonight. Two solid hours of live pick-by-pick coverage here uh, for the first FFPC 150 Classic Leagues of the season, the Genesis and the Revelations Leagues. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts right now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Hey, thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, coming up on tonight's show. We are going to cover the first FFPC 150 Classic Leagues of the season live, pick by pick, right here on YouTube for the next two hours. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, I am at Eric Balkman. The show is at HSFF Hour. Farrell Elliott is at J. Farrell Elliott. And remember to check out and win some serious cash at the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship website, kffsc.com. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash or You can email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com as well. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails throughout the program tonight. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, who's also commissioning Genesis and Revelations tonight. And of course, our producer and mutual friend, Rob. In case you missed it, big news out of the FFPC today. The inaugural Super Flex Best Ball Tournament is live. A five-figure grand prize. $35 to enter, and you can uh, join that whenever you'd like at myffpc.com. Obviously, the Superflex rules, 20-round um, drafts and that, sit and go, two hours, six hours, and we'll have some live drafts going off there as well. The 2022 FFPC Best Ball Tournament features a $200,000 grand prize. The prize pool also doubled. Those drafts are going off each and every day. Live and slow uh, dynasty startups available, myffpc.com slash dynasty. Football Guys Early Bird Promo is active. So if you are joining the Football Guys Players Championship before June 30th, you are drafting your FPC team before July 15th, you're going to get a $35 FFPC team credit to your account. And we'll do that up to three times too. So you can get that done up to three times in your account. It's a hundred plus dollars in savings. Why wouldn't you do that at that point? And you can still take a chance to win a half million dollars in the Football Guys Players Championship. A million dollar grand prize is at stake in the 2022 FFPC main event. That's a record for season long fantasy football. And we're happy to offer it to you this year. Cannot wait to talk to the first FFPC millionaire um, at the end of the season this year. Um, and of course, plenty of slow live and sit and go best ball options. If you want to play in the 12 
team closed leagues at myffpc.com, like Genesis, like Revelations. And of course, you can join the Run to Daylight Championship and the Draft Masters over at kffsc.com as well. That's going to be exciting. Um, I, I just drafted my first Run to Daylight Championship team last Sunday. That was fun. Um, didn't turn out the way I thought, um, but it's exciting. I'm ready to go to battle with uh, with that team. Uh, so that is going to be uh, – and, and I think this is sort of like the unofficial kickoff to um, to FFPC and KFFSC drafting season. This is sort of like, okay, now the NFL draft is behind us. We know where the rookies are. We know where a lot of the free agents are, not all of them. Um, and some of these free agents, remember, could remain unsigned throughout you know portions or all of the 2022 FFPC season, KFFSC, KFFSC season as well. Um, but this is sort of the unofficial kickoff. We are ready to go. Farrell Elliott is ready to go tonight. My co-host with the most, the KFFSC uh, commissioner. Welcome into the program tonight, man. How are you? Bonky, how are you? I wish I could say there was greatness to my lateness, but I cannot. However, I'm going to file a complaint already. I was told this is the official kickoff. so I Oh, it is? Okay. Nothing unofficial. Yeah, you were the one who told me that, by the way. So there's <laughs> nothing. Do not backtrack on officialdom, sir. This is it. Um, exciting stuff tonight. And, and by the way, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody what we're going to cover the Genesis, uh, draft in the first hour. We're going to cover the revelations draft in the second hour. Um, and in between there, when, when I do the little flip, Farrell is going to give you a little pitch on the KFFSC and why you should join not only the run to daylight, not only the draft masters, but the main event there, which features a record grand prize for the KFFSC in its 20th year, two decades, Farrell. Two decades of the KFFSC. It's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. We'll get to more on that later. I want to introduce you to uh, uh, tonight's participants in the Genesis uh, draft. These are $150 draft uh, leagues, um, closed 12-team leagues. So you may not seem you may not see a whole lot of home run swings tonight like you would in the Football Guys Players Championship or the uh, best ball tournament from the FFPC because these guys are just trying to beat the other 11 teams in the league. However, a lot of these players are participating not only in the, FF, uh, in the FFPC main event but the Football Guys Players Championship as well, which is why we love having these leagues broadcast here in early May so you can kind of get the lay of the land as uh, the summer of drafting is going off. Congratulations to Hudson Kern-Reeve, who is the defending champion of the Genesis League. Um, and uh, here is tonight's draft order as we will switch over to coverage here shortly. I'm going to show you the draft board in a minute. John Terry, who had two top 10 uh, FF, uh, beg your pardon, Football Guys Players Championship teams last year. He's drafting first tonight in Genesis. John Walter will be drafting second. Uh, the first 26er selecting tonight will be Jake Valish. Jake, I know I butcher your name every single year and you're too polite to correct me. Uh, but you are drafting third. Brent Studebaker, one of the stud dynasty guys, another 26er, drafting fourth. Frank Imbornoni is picking fifth. Stuart Keen, a former guest of this show, he will be drafting sixth. Biplab Mandel, I could be wrong about this, but I believe Biplab had the seventh pick in Genesis last year. He has the seventh pick again this year. Uh, he's drafting seventh tonight, followed by Vince Staffolino, another FFPC KFFSC legend at eighth. The defending champ, the Truth Warrior Supreme, Hudson Reeve, drafting ninth. Rob Marshall is picking 10th, followed by 
Brad Kazima and Ryan Zaborowski. You heard Ryan Zaborowski on these airwaves on this channel just a few weeks ago. They are teaming up to draft 11th. And Todd Aaron, the mad genius of fantasy football, is drafting 12th. Without further ado, let's get into the draft board tonight here, ladies and gentlemen. I have it right in here in front of you. We are already almost through two rounds. My God, am I lacking, and I am long-winded. Let's go through this here, Farrell. And we'll just take a look at the first round. We'll try to kind of compare it to Darren Armani, Fantasy Mojo, who's drafting in Revelations tonight, um, about the, the great ADP and FFPC data he posts at FantasyMojo.com. Follow him at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter. I say this all the time. If you're playing in the FFPC, his uh, subscription service is a must. It is very inexpensive, and it, the, the tools that he gives you and the information you get there, invaluable. So make sure you're signing up for that. So no prize, uh, surprise here. Taylor Cup, McCaffrey, Kelsey at four. Jefferson at five, you get Najee Harris to Stuart Keene at six, and then Austin Eckler is BitLab's first choice at seven. Jamar Chase is the third receiver off the board at eight, followed by Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Mark Andrews, and then Joe Mixon to Todd Aaron with the final pick of the first round. So as we look at that first round, Farrell, and, and I, I guess the thing I'll, I'll talk about here first is, is, is the tight ends, because Mark Andrews has now not only moved ahead of everybody else not named Travis Kelsey at tight end, he is head and shoulders above everybody else at tight end. He's ahead of Kyle Pitts. He's ahead of Darren Waller. He's ahead of George Kittle. Are you on board with Mark Andrews as a first-round FFPC pick? Yes, I am. I see what Team 11 did here. That It took Andrews because it could live with either three of the other running backs and probably were pleased to get Fournette. Uh, Kamara and Williams slip. I'm curious, Balky, as to why Williams is slipping. And uh, Barkley is uh, later on for the running backs is showing a little life, working his way out of that third round and getting back to where he belongs. And we got some teams off to a great start here. I, I, uh, you're talking about Javante Williams slipping. Yes. Let's talk about that for a second, because this was a guy that was going super high, right? When Melgo Mel Melvin Gordon was not signed by Denver while he was a free agent. This was a dude who was definitely in the first round of football guy, uh, beg your pardon, of, of um, uh, best ball drafts, the never right. too early best ball tournament. Now all of a sudden Melvin Gordon signs and everybody is treating Javante Williams like some sort of, you know, viral disease and slipping, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes a full round of where his ADP was prior to the Gordon signing. Are you of the opinion, Farrell, that fantasy drafters, high stakes drafters, are overrating the Melvin Gordon signing and Javante Williams still should be a borderline first round pick. Yes. I, I wonder what they would have preferred over Gordon. This was effective and Williams will get more play this coming year. I wonder who they would have preferred. They had to know that a running back was coming and he just wouldn't be any type of, uh, of off the street secondary back. He would be a complimentary back to Williams. I think Gordon fits that very, very well. Um, and I think it was probably a mistake uh, if you look at this situation and you say, I'm going to let Williams fall to uh, uh, Team 7, uh, Biplab Mandel, and let him team him with Austin Eckler. This is a, uh, a team that wants to, to um, and, and maybe there's a little bit of the saying that says Russell Wilson is going to throw it all over the field with those great receivers. But I th still, this is a team that wants to run the football and control the clock and keep the keep the ball in their offense's hands as much as they can, especially in that division they're in. So for all those reasons, Williams is a key cog to this. 
there's 450 rushes in this offense. You didn't expect Williams to have all of them, but he's going to get the majority of them. And that's a lot of work for, for a second year player and a lot of fantasy points for uh, Bip Lab there. Yeah. And yeah, Bip Lab already ch uh, chiming in on the chat. Give me Javante. And I'll tell you this too. I think sometimes um, we think of, of a, of a running back signing with the team, a secondary running back signing with the team. Oh, that's going to keep that, that three down guy from being a true three down guy. Well, sometimes you want to save these players from themselves. You don't necessarily want Javante Williams handling all of those touches because that means he could break down in the middle of the season. He's not available for the fantasy playoffs when you need him. But with the addition of Melvin Gordon, maybe that's the kind of thing that keeps Javante Williams healthy and productive and efficient for the entire season. Mandel cashing in on him in the second round. The other second round running back I want to talk about. Now, Todd Aaron takes DeAndre Swift at the 201. Farrell, what do you make about Leonard Fournette going to the defending, uh, not the defending champ of this league, I beg your pardon. Brad Kazima won this in 2020, not 2021. Kazima and Zaborowski take Leonard Fournette at the 202 tonight. And the reason I bring this up is we saw the, the quote from Rashad White um, earlier, I, I think it was actually earlier this evening, said, look, I'm, I'm here in Tampa to start. Leonard Fournette, if you look at the uh, the Mojo ADP on him in the Football Guys Players Championship, Leonard Fournette going on average at the 208. He goes at the 202 tonight. If you are looking at Fournette in the second round, how concerned should you be about the rookie Rashad White? Um, you shouldn't be that concerned. I think what I think what's happening here with uh, Leonard is he continues to move up the boards because we have the opinion that after two years, after his uh, Jacksonville showed him the door and he landed in this soft landing spot at, at Tampa. He has struck fantasy gold and it's taken our drafters a couple of seasons to realize that they can be comfortable with Fournette. I don't necessarily like the pick here with Diggs and Adams still on the board. If he went receiver there, he's going to be in a situation where he could have had uh, uh, Montgomery or Ezekiel, which uh, that mix would be uh, a more favorable I think as a roster, because we've talked about what we think about T Higgins um, at Cincinnati and, and with his physical issues. So I, I don't necessarily like, I, I don't have any problems with uh, Fournette being the second running back pick, but since you went tight in in the first round, how about some uh, elite receiver actions, Dig and Diggs and Adams still on the board. And I could have lived with a different running back mix. Uh, one of the co-owners, Ryan Zabarowski, chiming in on the YouTube chat right now. Plus, Rashad White stinks. So he is a believer in Fournette. <laughs> That's another good analysis that we get there. So uh, Diggs, Alvin Kamara to uh, Hudson Kern-Revis. He goes running back, running back to start. Devontae Adams, the pick after that. We already talked about Javante Williams to Mandel. Kyle Pitts, the third tight end off the board to Stuart Keen. Debo Samuel, who all of a sudden started following the Niners on Instagram again, and he's liking these posts from John Lynch on Instagram. I can't believe this is where we're at and recording this, but this is big. You already <laughs> mentioned Barkley going to uh, Studebaker here at the 209. A.J. Brown, the new Philadelphia Eagle, is the first receiver drafted here by the machine, the 26er drafting at the uh, at the 210 tonight. That is indeed Jake Valish. And then as we move forward for the uh, rest of the second round, Nick Chubb to John Walter, C.D. Lamb, the first receiver drafted by John Terry. Let's move into the third round here as these guys are already moving on to the fourth round. My God, we are falling behind. Mike Evans off the board is the first receiver uh, selected in the third round. He goes 301 to um, Terry Aaron Jones, who I absolutely love in the third round. I'm telling you, he's going to catch a boatload of passes this year. 
I would set the over-under on Aaron Jones' receptions in 2022 somewhere in the 250 to 260 range. No, not yardage, catches. That's how many catches he's going to get this year without Devontae Adams. Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill, back-to-back receivers there. And then we have James Conner, the running back. Uh, Running back 15 selected tonight to Frank Imbornoni at the 305. Farrell, the Cardinals did not do a ton at running back after Chase Edmonds signed with Miami. James Conner, to me, was very successful last year because he had Edmonds, because he had that other guy coming onto the field to keep him healthy enough to score all those touchdowns last year. I don't know if he has that um, that Robin this year to his Batman. What do you make of James Conner being the man in Arizona? I'm a little skittish about him in the third round. I'm a big believer in James Conner, but I don't want to pay this price for him and just think he goes after Tyreek Hill, and I'd like us to address that is where Tyreek Hill is in this draft. Uh, Brees Hall, Antonio Gibson, David Montgomery were the running backs that went after uh, Conner, and I think that uh, I want to I want to reserve comment because I want to watch this team build. I see what they did in the fourth round, but I want you to comment about it. And I think where he might be going is that he says, this is my favorite running back. I need a running back, and I can live with that. Um, let's talk about some of the other running backs, perhaps, Balky, that you're interested in the, in the third round. But uh, I wouldn't have done it, but I can understand why he did, and I'm fascinated to see what his fifth-round pick will be. Yeah, and we're coming up on it right now. I want to bring in uh, one of the drafters. You uh, see him selecting cleanup tonight. The stud dynasty, the 26er himself, a former guest of this show, joining us here on the uh, FFPC YouTube channel tonight. The one, the only, as I always say, the incomparable, Brent Studebaker. Brent, what is up, man? How's your draft going tonight? Thanks for joining us. It's going good. Balky, Farrell, how are you? Oh, it's always good to see a 26er on the screen, my friend. <laughs> I just have right. one question. I have one Go question ahead. for you, Bob. Yeah. yeah. When are you going to start announcing Farrell as a FFPC 26er? Oh, yeah, man. I probably should have done. I think I, I, I think I did it once in passing, and I probably should be doing it more often and, and be bringing it up every time I intro him onto the show. But Farrell is a card-carrying member of the FFPC 26er club, it's, no doubt. It's one, it's, it's one of the status that I'm very, very proud to have. And, and Balky, uh, you know, most of the times it's proper form to wait until you're invited into a club. I absolutely <laughs> campaigned to be a 26er. I, I asked to, to be in any type of uh, honorary or, or subservient position, and I was given a full membership. And, and the, they saw me draft and they invited me to stay longer. So it was uh, really, really a good situation for me. Uh, Brent, um, you're on the clock here at the 504. We're going to talk about your draft shortly. What are you thinking here? You already got two running backs, a tight end, and a receiver. I think I'm going to go with a receiver. It might be a tad bit early, but I know he's not going to come back to me. I'm going to take Devontae Smith. I think with them getting A.J. Brown, it's going to open up a lot uh, within that offense. Uh, he's already got the connection with the quarterback. I think he's only going to get better in year two. Who were your um, receivers were you choosing amongst there? Smith and who else? Um, Smith too. I wanted – I was going to take Michael Thomas. I think he's going to be in for a big year. I anticipate Kamara getting a suspension. Saints are going to throw the ball. Um, but I actually was going to go back and try to grab another running back. I was going to probably – Grab Clyde Edwards-Hilaire again, which is scary because uh, 
You you never know what you're going to get with him in that offense. <laughs> the box of chocolates running back in Kansas City. No doubt. I'm with you on that. Um, okay, so, Brent, let's talk about this for a second. So, Saquon Barkley, Farrell mentioned this, um, your second-round pick. This was a guy that a few weeks ago was, you know, pretty well settled in the third round. But now he's creeping back up into the second. You look at the uh, the uh, the fantasy mojo on Saquon Barkley. 210 is where he's going in the FPC. You make him your choice here at the 209, so almost right on par. Why do you think Barkley's creeping back up there for high-stakes owners right now? I mean, one of the big things with him, he he's their only real true back, and this is a make-or-break year for Saquon Barkley. Um, I'm going to bet that he he knows that. The Giants organization, organization knows that. So looking at who I could have picked, Chubb, Aaron Jones, uh, Akers, Brees Hall, they're all going to be in a timeshare. The Giants know their offense runs through Barkley. They don't want to run it through a timeshare, and they definitely don't want to run it through Daniel Jones. So uh, I'm, I'm going for upside. Farrell, what you did? I think you st- I think you stole everyone here. Barkley is is a great position. Tyreek Hill's the biggest steal of the draft so far. Jacobs could have gone much earlier. I'm not probably as big as Smith uh, on Smith as you are. I, there's probably some other receivers uh, that I might have liked better, but I like your thought process on why he will do well in the short game accuracy. Uh, from Hertz, it's, it's. I'm gonna look more into that. I think you might be winning me over on Smith in the fifth. Brent, let me ask you this about Hill because and Farrell kind of alluded to this. Um, Tyreek Hill, steal of the draft for you. If you get him right now at, at the 304, he is slipping in drafts now. He is going on average at the 211, so you actually got a steal on him, uh, here in this draft as well. Why do you think high stakes owners' concerns about him catching passes from Tua Tunga Bailoa? and also the presence of Jalen Waddle. Why do you think they're unfounded as far as skipping over Hill in the late second or early third? Why is he a good choice there? I think naturally they're scared of Tua, but here's the big thing. Tua Tua may not throw the deep ball, but who is one receiver outside of Debo in the league that can catch a five-yard screen and take it 80 yards? That's Tyreek. Um, Mike McDaniel is going to find a way to get this man the ball. And um, I'm not. I'm not too much concerned. I'll take his his fall any given draft um, in the third round. I'll take him in the second round. Um, they brought him in there to make plays. It's going to help him and Waddle. They don't really have a running game. They don't have a running back. So you could see Waddle and Tyreek both uh, kind of playing that Debo role as well, doing running backs and in the backfield and playing receiver. Maybe this is a better question for Farrell, but Brent, I'm going to ask you anyway. You get uh, Josh Jacobs here uh, at the uh, 409 as your second running back. Now, Josh Jacobs um, seems like he's criminally underrated by high-stakes drafters every single year, usually pays off on on whatever his ADP is. They do have Kenyon Drake there. They drafted Zamir White. Um, Are we overrating those players as threats to Josh Jacobs field time this year and snap count and the fact that you know despite those guys on the same team same backfield as him Jacobs is still going to continue to put up numbers yeah I mean it kind of goes back to Barkley the Raiders uh didn't pick up his fifth year option uh he's in a uh prove it year again you add Devontae Adams to that offense 
linebackers aren't going to creep up. You're still going to have Waller. You're going to have Renfro. I mean, Jacobs is a sneaky play for anybody in Dynasty. He's one of my my big buys in the offseason because of what they added on offense this year uh, in the offseason. He's good. He's going to get you 800 yards, eight to 10 touchdowns. Um, last year, he proved how much he could catch the ball. Farrell, uh, you're, you're, you're the I, resident like Raider people. expert. I, I can well, I can I I can chime in with that exactly why I like the player, and I think that's the floor. I think you hit the floor with 800 yards, and if you can live with that, there. Uh, if I was if I was gambling, um, I might say at the end. Uh, I, I would have possibly liked Mitchell a little better there, but I can see what you're doing. I want to know what you're going to do with the rest of the Raider backfield later. And it, it's just, uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that pick. And if he has a solid year that I expect him to have, uh, anything above the four numbers you gave us are very, very valuable. And I think Bucky, I think, uh, I think we're back here on the clock again. Yeah, what what are you thinking here, Brent? Uh, what what what? So just to refresh everybody, you can obviously see it here. You got the two receivers, you got the two running backs, you got the tight end. Uh, another receiver here. What are you thinking, Brent? Yeah, I went with uh, Rashad Bateman. Uh, what he did at the end of the year, uh, I really liked um, that offense. Lamar is going to have to throw the ball still. If he if he runs the ball fifteen to twenty times a game and continues doing that. He's going to end up injured. Harbaugh knows that. The Ravens know that. Uh, outside of Andrews, they don't have a pass catcher. So no I'm Marquise gonna... Brown. It, it, it's it's the Bateman show, right? Yep. Uh, without Brown, I'm definitely going to roll the dice on it. Surefire number one. Um, that was a high draft pick for them. They're they're going to do everything they can for this kid to hit. Uh, Brent, listen, I. I certainly appreciate you not only chiming in on the broadcast tonight, not only drafting in Genesis tonight. I know you have a big day tomorrow with FFPC rookie draft starting up. Um, try not to get rookie fever attacking you tonight as we move throughout this draft as we get into the seventh round here. Um, can you give us one rookie that you really like in your rookie drafts tomorrow before we let you go? Um, well, and, and, and no rookie is one. an answer. Just one. If you Here, hate the whole the, class, just tell us. Here's the kicker on that. I'm already. I've already got a couple that have already started. Um, let me think here. What about who's the who's the Harris running back out of South Carolina? Kevin Harris. Kevin Harris. Yeah, he was injured last year. Uh, he looks good, or he he looked good in college. I don't know if he's every down back. And I really don't want to mess with too many running backs out of New England uh, just because you never know what you're going to get. So that but has been sage advice over the years. I, I really like running backs out of New England. I really like James Cook, but I really do like Rashad White. Uh, Farrell, I know you, you're not too high on him. He's, oh, no. one Leonard, he's one Leonard Fournette injury away from winning a lot of people uh, a lot of money. R.I.P. Keyshawn Vaughn's uh, dynasty value, right? Correct. Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn, they wouldn't have drafted him uh, if they if they thought Vaughn could take the full load. I just don't see it. Brent, listen, man, we really appreciate it. We'll let you get back to it. Thanks for chiming in tonight. We, uh, we always uh, like your insight on this program. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me.
Thank Brent you, Studebaker, Rich. the stud dynasty 26er drafting in the fourth round tonight. We talked about his draft a little bit. A little bit of insight to Tyreek Hill, which which Farrell said has been the steal of the draft so far. Has there been another one since then? Let's get to it and, and talk a little bit about the fourth round, which what uh, what we've seen here. You have Jalen Waddle go off the board, followed by J.K. Dobbins and Ezekiel Elliott. A glut of receivers here. D.J. Moore to Hudson Kern Revis, his number one. Deontay Johnson. Um, uh, off the board right after that, followed by Michael Pittman and then DK Metcalf, who we found out tonight. Sounds like he is close to an extension with Seattle. Will it come to fruition? We'll keep you posted on that. Josh Allen is the first quarterback off the board. Two Frank in Bornoni, Josh Jacobs to Studebaker, and then three receivers complete the fourth round. Terry McLaurin, Jerry Judy, and Amari Cooper. Bip Lab, uh, beg your pardon, John Terry going with the three straight receivers. He's going with the hero running back. And Farrell, I, I don't know if you have a, a policy on this, but what do you think about what Terry is doing here tonight? He gets the number one running back here with Jonathan Taylor, and then he pounds receiver. If you had the 101 or perhaps the 102, would you be doing the same thing, getting that high-volume, high-touch running back early and then pounding the receivers after that? I haven't had the pleasure of that, but I absolutely love what he's doing. And NTN and Walker are both very, very solid shots. As we get closer to August and September, in the FFPC, when we go live there, Balky, let's make a note of tonight's conversation. Let's say, how high is Kenneth Walker going? I think hmm. he'll be a third round draft pick, if not a second. I, it's, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. How high was Travis Etienne when he was first available? Wasn't it a third round pick? So th this is this is a wonderful draft. I'm curious about Davis. Uh, there's some things there I might have done different. Uh, especially perhaps a tight end. I might have looked at quarterback there. I'm, I don't know how much Gabriel Davis's production, you know, and we've talked about him on the show. We've been a champion of him on the show. I don't know if you needed him as a fourth receiver there. You could have got similar receivers later, but the tight ends and quarterbacks, things are getting a little tight. We still got your choice at some of the better ones. I might have liked to have seen that draft pick there. You know my policy on quarterbacks. I think you can wait there. As far as tight ends go, I'm with you. You know we 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 see so so John Terry and listen finished two top team two top ten teams in the football guys players championship last year. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, really. But but um, but I will say this: like when it came back to him um, in the uh, fourth round, he had the opportunity for Hawkinson. He said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get Cooper. I'm going to get Travis Etienne." Then he had the chance. Um, uh, no, he did not have the chance in the sixth round uh, for Dalton Schultz. He was already off the board. However, that only marked seven tight ends off the board. He had the opportunity to go for a, uh, another tight end there. Some interesting names out there he chose not to. We'll see how he fills in with quarterback and tight end there. Farrell, let, let's get into Travis Etienne here. He was a third-round pick, he said, last year um, before the, the meniscus injury. He goes at the 501 tonight as the number two receiver. Doug Peterson now in Jacksonville. Travis Lawrence, uh, Trevor Lawrence is a year older. They added some weapons in the passing game there. What do you make of Travis Etienne as, you know, as he should be the lead running back there until James Robinson gets healthy, which shouldn't happen until, until the end of the season? I think it's going to be a nice trade-off, and I hope Robinson comes back a little sooner because I think they both feed off each other's production. But Travis is – look at the adversity that he's had to overcome. He's, he, he overcame the injury. Now he also managed to come out of the other side of the Urban Meyer fiasco. He's got, he's learned what the NFL is about from a real interesting vantage point. 
and he is hungry to get to the field as much as he is a quality guy that people respect. Uh, he's big in that locker room, and, and even when he wasn't available, he invested the time and was big in that organization at a very difficult time. I think there's a lot of players on this team that are going to really enjoy the new coaching staff, and I think that is one reason alone that we can put all of them up in a little better production than we might be thinking of uh, because (laughs) they're very, very relieved to be living the NFL life that they are now. Um, A quasi-polarizing player, or at least a guy who could be a polarizing player as we move closer to uh, main event time here in August with the FFPC and KFFSC, Michael Thomas at the 502 to John Walter tonight. Now, we saw the report from um, uh, tonight, uh, the quotes from Dennis Allen, who I think this was uh, Catherine Terrell. I think she covers the Saints um, for ESPN, if I remember it correctly. Um, Maybe it's it could be the athletic. God, I always get these. Yeah, it's the athletic. So she covers the Saints for the athletic. She had the quotes from Dennis Allen tonight. A few hurdles remain in Michael Thomas's recovery from his ankle injury. This is a guy over the last two seasons that has played seven games. However, when he's been healthy, he's been awesome. And he gets Jameis Winston throwing him passes this year. Farrell, are you closer to the boom side of the spectrum with Michael Thomas this year? Or are you closer to the bust side of the spectrum? Bearing in mind, of course, he went at the 502 tonight. I don't know how far down he's going to end up going. I don't know if he's boom or bust. And it doesn't really matter to me because I like the players slightly before him. I like the players immediately after him better. I can make a case for the people that are around him. I'm intrigued by the wide receiver rookie that is joining him in New Orleans. I'm intrigued by uh, Jameis finally getting uh, getting a uh, – a clear shot at the job with not anyone tapping on his shoulder and, and replacing him in the middle of a series. Um, and I, I really would like to see what Alvin Kamara's uh, situation is after his legal issues and if he's going to be available. But honestly, I'm going to let someone else take that risk, especially when the risk is both physical and somewhat of um, so, some sort of behaviors that haven't been uh, consistent with a guy that wants to go to work every day in the NFL. So uh, I'm going to let somebody else take that risk. Ball. Yeah, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak chiming in in the chat room right now. He says that the percentage chance Michael Thomas is done, 40%. And at 502 for him, that is a hard pass. So he is mm-hmm. skipping Michael Thomas. Let's go through um, some of the teams and what they're doing tonight. We're going to flip over to Revelations coverage at the top of the hour. But let's talk a little bit about Todd Aaron's team from the 12 spot here, Farrell. He starts off with three straight running backs. He gets Jalen Waddle in the fourth, but then he also adds Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the fifth. So out of his first five picks, he goes running backs. Remember, this is not a best ball league. You can make you know additions, subtractions via the waiver wire throughout the season here. He gets Mixon, Swift, Montgomery, Edwards-Alaire in his backfield. Waddle, Elijah Moore, Drake London, the rookie in Atlanta. Of course, Zach Ertz, he's adding in the seventh round, the tight end out of uh, Arizona, who is the ninth tight end selected. Kind of an interesting approach, not an approach I would do, but certainly that this guy is, is is locked in for his top four running backs. You could start four running backs in the FFPC as well. He's locked in in his backfield here. Uh, he is, and, and uh, Edwards Hilaire uh, is a very talented player, but I think probably the most underrated acquisition in all of football was Ronald Jones to Kansas City, and I want to see what that looks like and how that split goes. I I don't like his tight end here, especially with the type of tight end 
that we called uh, both Denver and, and, and to a lesser degree, Arizona drafting tight ends, and they took the one and two guys. They just didn't take uh, – I thought McBride would be headed to Denver, and he ends up in Arizona. And so now – what are they going to be with the quarterback? Are they going to be a two tight end team? Who's going to be in the slot? Um, there's a lot of unknowns there when uh, the tight ends that were to follow. Uh, easier bets for me to be successful. And then what a bounce back pick. If you agree with me on Ertz, what a bounce back pick he got on London. There's a lot yeah. of uh, excitement last year about the tight end and the physicality that uh, Willis brought to the Atlanta Falcons. London brings the same physicality and perhaps guys aren't as high on him because they didn't see him go through the combine and he was injured. He's taking care of his body. I look forward to seeing what he can bring. And when we see him on the field in the preseason, we won't see that much of it, but when we see him on the field and, and what he has to do with quarterbacks either Mariota or the rookie Ritter, who are not going to necessarily uh, go through a lot of progressions when they have a six-foot-five-inch wide receiver like London and the tight end there. Those are going to be the two guys they're throwing the ball to. So that's a good pickup for a third receiver. Uh, Kazima and Zaborowski at the 11 spot tonight. We talked a little bit about that Fournette pick for them in the second mm -hmm. round tonight. You said, well, what about an elite receiver? Was T. Higgins enough there? Wide receiver 12 tonight. T. Higgins they get um, in the uh, at the 311. They add Darnell Mooney. They add Cortland Sutton. They get their second tight end in Dallas Goddard. I really love their quarterback in Jalen Hurts in, in the eighth round. Um, did they do enough here uh, at the receiver position after skipping over the receiver position in the second round? I think they understand who T. Higgins, who T. Higgins is a little more than we do. We've got questions about uh, him physically at this point in time. Um, so I like uh, most of the wide receivers that went in the fourth round a little better than uh, than Higgins. And if I'd wanted an explosive number one receiver, uh, I would have turned to the Indianapolis Colts and look at Michael mm. Pittman, a player that uh, doubled his production from his rookie into his second year, and now gets a new quarterback and is prized to go with a very, very favorable running attack, which always helps the uh, – which always helps those receivers uh, down around the goal line. So Pittman would have been my guy, or I would rather have Michael Pittman as the number one receiver at the Indianapolis Colts than T. Higgins as uh, the the two or even the 1A at Cincinnati. Uh, Andrew Schellenberg uh, chiming in, the uh, champion of the uh, Revelations draft, which we're going to be covering in about 20 minutes or so. T. Higgins for life, says Shelly. Uh, and he is clutch like Shelly, so maybe we should listen to him there as far oh, as T. Higgins go. Uh, Fantasy dum-dums. Rob Marshall, another 26er. We haven't talked a whole lot about his draft. I want to specifically zero in on his third-round pick, Antonio Gibson, which he gets at the 303 tonight. I saw a report today that uh, the commanders may want to uh, utilize Brian Robinson in a Jonathan Stewart-esque role. In other words, Gibson and Stewart, uh, beg your pardon, Gibson and Robinson would be the D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart tandem that Ron Rivera coached in Carolina. Farrell, what are the chances that that comes to fruition, that Robinson has that big of a role, the rookie out of Alabama in his first year? Likely. And then we see Gibson having uh, a little more involvement uh, in the passing game, certainly not as a third down back but a little bit of a bait and switch when they have those players on the field. But that's exactly what I think 
is going to happen with Brian Robinson. And there's going to be enough rushes there um, for uh, Antonio Gibson to continue to be a, a fantasy player. And I think where he's going is just about right. Um, I think late in the third round, uh, that's good value for him there, especially uh, teamed with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He's taking the name brands of the, uh, of the NFC East and running with them, is he not? Yeah, well, I, I, it seems that way, right? Um, we're trying to get Rob actually on right now to, to talk a little bit about his team. Hopefully we can figure that out. But um, the other player I want to talk about who is very – well, I shouldn't say. He's very intriguing prior to the NFL draft. He is still very intriguing. Juju Smith-Schuster, his yeah. fifth-round pick. Travis Kelsey's there. We know McCole Hardman's there. Um, the addition of Sky Moore – the exit of Tyree Kill. What do we think of Juju Smith-Schuster this year, Farrell? I think I picked him, and I could be wrong. If I didn't pick him in the run to daylight on Sunday, I was going to, and then he got sniped on me. I can't remember what happened. But I kind of like him this year as far as a PPR guy. How do you feel about JJSS? I have picked him uh, through our never-too-early best ball tournament as late as nine, uh, as early as six. I've often tried to get him and stack him with the Chiefs uh, – talent around him he is a fantastic uh, player in this offense and with the additions through the draft I think he even became more so I am um, very pleased and the one team that I have uh, in the in the 26er league uh, Smith Schuster is on the lineup uh, in the lineup and we we look forward to make a little hay with that this year I like him bulky and I think you should keep adding him I think the guys did well adding him here yeah, he gets the hookup, too, with Patrick Mahomes, does uh, Rob Marshall there, uh, getting Mahomes and Smith-Schuster. So congratulations there. Moving on to the defending champ, Hudson Kern-Reeve. Uh, goes running back, running back with Henry and Kamara to start. Gets his uh, tight end and Kittle. Hits the receivers hard after that. I mean, he did yes. get Justin Herbert, did get Kareem Hunt, but he also added DJ Moore, Brandon <laughs> Cooks, who I continue to love. DeAndre Hopkins, which generated some conversation in the YouTube chat tonight. DeAndre Hopkins is obviously out the first six games of the season. We'll be yeah. back in week seven. You get him in the seventh round there. And then a yeah. couple of rookies, Sky Moore and Christian Watson. Uh -huh. Now, when you're talking about a team that um, or a league that where you can add players throughout the year, not a best ball, he gets his two receivers right away. Still gets Kareem Hunt in the eighth, which I like. And he gets all these exciting receivers here. This is an explosive team. And when you add Herbert and Kittle, it's clear to see um, how Hudson won this league last year. You know, I think Moore and Watson end up with similar productivity throughout the year. But we'll start early in the season. And Watson probably produces more, uh, more than more. Uh, it, the, uh, it looks like he's going for all the moors here in this lineup, but it's, um, um, Hudson knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, if you look back to Tyreek Hill's rookie year, you saw 60 catches, uh, 600 yards, a handful of touchdowns. I think it was five or six where he was exciting and where he got everyone's attention and fantasy ball was as a, uh, a jet sweep before the linebackers before the game changed so much and we had so many great pursuit linebackers um Tyreek Hill with multiple touchdowns and probably 250 300 yards rushing on jet sweeps alone that year uh Sky Moore will have a, a contributory year and knowing when to play him is going to be the key thing so I think that this is a player that we'll see in uh, uh 
Hudson's lineup towards the end of the year, and he'll be uh, he'll be paying some significant dividends, I think. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing because when you get more in Cooks, okay, that's good. But then you go with Hopkins, who you can't use till week seven. You 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 think more in Watson, you probably can't trust them at least over the first month, maybe a month mm-hmm. and a half, according to Bip Lab Mandel. Uh, Bip Lab says Watson and Moore do nothing this season. We'll get to his team in a little bit. Um, but that's what he's saying about Hudson's team. So obviously if these guys hit early, um, that's going to make things easier for him. And obviously you got to worry about Kamara and, and the whole legal situation there. Moving on to Vince Staffelino's team, he hits receivers hard. In fact, four of his first five picks were receivers. He adds the rookie Brees Hall in the third round to go with Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, DeAndre John- uh, Deontay Johnson, and Marquise Brown. He gets Dalton Schultz. He gets Kyler Murray. So those positions are covered. I really like the pick of Damian Pierce in the eighth round. Ronald Jones, um, who the heck knows about CEH as we move forward here. And then Albert Oguepanam, who is his backup tight end here in the 10th round. This is a strong draft from Vince Staffelino, something that we've been accustomed to seeing not from Vince, not only in the FFPC, uh, Farrell, but the KFFSC as well. Yeah, and um... – V staff, I wish we had talked tight end before the draft. There's another tight end that I would have preferred to see you take out of Denver. But uh, your your picks throughout this draft have, have again been stellar ones. And you know, Vince loves playing in Kentucky, where we start three wide receivers, and you know the, those rules are like drilled into his brain. So he's gonna, <laughs> he's going to always go heavy wide receiver. But he has the class of the wide receivers uh, in this draft and Hall. Uh, last year, bulky at this time, where was Najee Harris going in the draft? I want to say at this time, he was like a borderline, like first for like first and second round, somewhere around mm-hmm. there, that one, two turn. Eventually we'll see Hall in the second round. And, um, I really like this team. The, t- uh, uh, Schultz is, is going to be fantastic. I'm not a big Kyler Murray fan, but this team could go far with these receivers. And uh, let's see what other running backs he puts with him. But I, I like Ronald Jones just as much as you like Damian Pierce. So this team's building very, very nicely. here. Um, let's go out to um, uh, another guest, another drafter. We just talked about his team briefly. He is in the uh, 10 spot tonight, and I want to bring him in uh, right now. The fantasy dum-dum himself. And he's no fantasy dum-dum. It is Rob Marshall. Rob, welcome into the broadcast tonight. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing good. How's your draft going as you're uh, halfway through here? I'm loving it. Hey, you guys didn't give me my like opening song. What's the opening song that we should play? Um, dum, 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 I like it, Rob. <laughs> that's that's your new walk-up music that's my new walk-on yeah it's like I, me I coming it. out to the ring me coming um, out to the ring all right so so you look at your team here um did you expect dalvin cook in the first um when when he fell there was this was this a guy that you were looking at targeting so yeah i love dalvin cook because of his receiving capabilities the other thing i love is that is consistency my first few picks i try to find someone that's consistent you are up next to where they are um you know what they're going to do, right? You know, they've got the same quarterback, the same receiver, the same whatever. And I just love that consistency in um, a a draft like this. I think that you are 
No, you're on deck. I thought you were on the clock. Yep. You're on deck right now. You oh, now you're on the clock. I just heard it. <laughs> what are we thinking here, Rob? 11-10. You got a quarterback. You got a couple of tight ends. We're going to go with DJ Chark. Ooh, the forgotten man in Detroit. Everybody talks about Amon Ross St. Brown. Everybody talks about Jamison Williams. Why is DJ Chark a guy that fantasy owners need not uh, sleep on uh, this year? He's Why do they need to, to remember so you see the big D here. Um, he's going to outperform um, Amarone St. Brown. This really? Year. Yeah. Now, why? So this is interesting because you look at what St. Brown did at the end of last season. He was a fantasy darling. What is it about Chark that has you excited about his performance yeah. being better than St. Brown this year? You know, I think that he was um, – he had a lot of injuries. And when you look at Jacksonville, you, you look at – when you look at Jacksonville – um, what the heck's he gonna like? Who's gonna throw him the ball? Who was throwing him the ball? He's had he's had little blips here and there, and he's young. He's only twenty four. Um, I think last year the St. Brown was kind of the benefactor of being the only guy there. I mean, when you look at some of the other receivers on the Lions, when they were the only guys there that week, they produced two. So if I went out there, I'd probably be one of the best guys out there that week. Uh, it may take a hundred targets, but um. You know, I'm going to be the best guy. All right. So we got to talk about your latest pick here that you just took in the 12th round. And that is, uh, speaking of Jacksonville, uh, running back out of Jacksonville, James Robinson. Um, I'm I'm curious as to what your plans are for this guy, knowing he will not start the season healthy for Jacksonville. How do you plan to, de to deploy him? Or is this just too good of a pick to pass up in the 12th round? It's too good for the upside. So I have Cook, I have Antonio Gibson, I have Damian Harris, all guys who were in the top 20, I guess, running backs last year, um, as far as like points per game. Uh, and James Robinson was also there. And, you know, he outperformed so many players uh, last year until he got hurt. And he's just, he fights every time, he fights for the goal line. And I'm not sold on. Etienne, who hasn't proven a thing yet. Um, he's coming back from an injury. And to get him in the fifth round, I'll take Robinson in the 12th, especially when I have the other four guys I have. I like Robinson in the 12th uh, very well. I wonder if you had to take him in the 12th because everyone seems to be off of him <laughs> except you and me. Now, uh, at the end, now, what you say, he hasn't done a thing. Remember, he played at the highest levels of college football and was tremendous. So I got to mm -hmm. believe at the end is going to bring it. But this is much like the Cam Akers uh, uh, Henderson gap. Uh, it, it's too big of a gap uh, to to make sense to me. And Balky, I'm not sure that Robinson doesn't get back to action a little quicker than maybe Ooh. you think uh, that that he will. Now, see, that would be that would be interesting. I'll just tell you the mojo right now on him. James Robinson, running back 46 at the 11-12. Rob mm -hmm. gets him here in the 12th round. So, hey, congratulations. It's a steal. Um, so, Rob, I, think the best, I think the best pick, my best, what my favorite thing about this whole draft is that I got the hookup between uh, Mahomes and Juju. Which we talked about earlier, for sure. Oh, you did? I missed it. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, no, we, we said, I just said it in passing. But, but yeah, you get Smith-Schuster, and then you, you come back with Mahomes. That was nice. Um, let me ask you this, um, as a guy who has drafted now two Cowboys, right? Yeah. Two Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Michael Gallup. I was, I have him on I, two dynasties, I think. And I was kind of excited when Cooper got let go 
But then the Cowboys also, they acquired James Washington, they signed him, and then they draft um, the kid uh, Tor, uh, Tolbert, Jalen Tolbert, in the, in the draft this year as well. Um, Gallup, still a guy, even though he's coming off the ACL, still a guy that we should be paying attention to in the single-digit rounds, Rob? Yes, you should. I mean, Gallup, he's continued to perform every time he's been there, and they let, instead of letting him go, um, they let go of Cooper. I thought initially, like I was hoping the Lions were going to get Gallup on their team, and they ended up getting Chark. Um, but my hope was they were going to somehow get Gallup on their team because uh, I just I, I think he's underrated for what he's done historically. Um, I lied. One more question, Rob. I look at your <laughs> roster now here. You have five running backs. You're looking at four receivers. You already have a quarterback, two tight ends. Does this it was this sort of part of the plan that you are this balanced after 12 rounds that you can kind of go wherever you want, value-wise, upside-wise for the last eight rounds? Is that something you historically have done when you're drafting in the FFPC? I have done that more or so, I guess, in the last couple of years, and I found it's worked in the FPC stuff. Um, really to my uh if if you what I used to do would look at the other teams and say, okay, what did they do? And I would kind of pigeonhole myself where I'd start too heavy receiver, too heavy running back, too heavy tight end. And then all of a sudden you have another one slip. You have, you know, um, let's say um, Montgomery slipped to the fourth round or fifth round. And you already have backs. It's really hard to take that fourth running back there when you have so many, much more need at like tight end quarterback receiver. It's hard to do that. So I like to try and, keep that balanced. Um, and I almost fell in that trap again, looking at, I was really targeting uh, Kenneth Walker. Yep. I was hoping he would come to me in the seventh instead of Damian Harris, uh, because I think he could be a league winner. I don't think he'll do much initially, but knowing Penny and Carson. Um, Carson's going to be cut, right, Rob? I mean, they're not going to go to camp with that. Maybe, guy. maybe. I mean, I, it's too early. I'm not on the team, but like, regardless, Either if he could be there and Penny could be there and they both tomorrow could go for a walk, a casual walk and tear an ACL, ACL <laughs> either of them. So, and then now Walker's your starting guy and you got him in the end of the sixth round, seventh round. So I was hoping to get him there. Um, I was kind of shocked. I got Mahomes in the sixth, especially after I got Juju. Yeah. That, I mean, it things are falling your way, except for the Walker thing, uh, which we'll see how that goes. Um, but, and, and I, I'll tell you what, as a Chris Carson dynasty owner, I would not limit him to ACLs on a walk. I mean, any kind of soft <laughs> tissue injury, anything is possible with that guy. And just, you never know. Oh, you never know what you're going to get. We know what we're going to get every time we talk to Rob Marshall, the fantasy, not so dumb dumbs, the 26 are picking out of the 10 spot tonight. Rob, we certainly appreciate you joining the broadcast. Good luck the rest of the way, man. We'll talk again soon. Okay. We'll see you, man. Thank that you, is Rob. Rob Marshall, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, good stuff from him. Love hearing from that guy. Um, I think we left off. I want to skip over Bip's team because, well, no, no, I don't want to skip over Bip's no, team. No, you don't. So, so Bip led Mandel in the seventh spot tonight, Farrell. Running back, running back, tight end. Okay. And then he pounds out the six receivers here in a managed league. Pittman, Godwin, St. Brown, Ayuk, Lazard, Lockett. Mm -hmm. I know Bip is super smart. We've had him on this program before. How in the heck are you going to know what receiver to start on any given week? with that glut of talented receivers from rounds four through nine. Well, you're going to look how the quarterback matures in the preseason at, at, uh, 
at Seattle, and then you're going to put Lockett in your lineup quite often. He's likely to play Lockett more than some of the guys drafted in front of him. I think that's the most underrated player to get in the ninth round. That was a fantastic job. Carter has dropped because of the acquisition of the other running back, but he's still going to be a fantasy, you know, He's going to be a wonderful contributor. I, I got to learn what he's doing later in, in the 11th round because I don't really understand uh, Herbert there that much. But, you know, he waited on quarterback and his second tight end. Now he's matched and stacked. Uh, Darren Waller, perhaps, uh, if you consider the obligations of Kittle, the health of Andrews, the age of Kelsey, and Pitt's challenges with the quarterback, it's it, you might say that he has a chance to have the number one fantasy tight end that he got in the third round, and now he's teamed him with uh, Derek Carr, his quarterback. This is fantastic drafting by Bitcoin. Um, let's move on. Talk about Stuart Keen's team uh, at the sixth spot. Harrison Acres as his running back. So he gets Pitts in the second round, which I like. And then you know for waiting on receiver, Metcalf, Robinson, Williams. That's not that bad. Singletary a running back who probably is the starter in Buffalo. And then you get Joe Burrow, who has all the tools available to him that any quarterback could want. Rashad Penny, who's a potential starter in Seattle. Your boy Claypool in the 10th. Daryl Henderson, who I know you've talked up before, Farrell. Rondale Moore, who won't have to contend with DeAndre Hopkins for the first month and a half of the season. And Logan Thomas is your backup. This is a quietly solid team here from Keene. Yeah, it, it is uh, here in the in the thirteenth round. Uh, th- there are some young tight ends, and I I believe amongst our fantasy community, um, tight ends there's there's a word that says takes a long time to develop, and maybe what happened with in Atlanta last year with with the acquisition of of the rookie tight end and the expectations falling short, especially in the touchdowns, that m- makes people hesitant to pull the trigger on the young tight ends. Uh, there's two very good ones out there that I would have preferred over Logan Thomas, but that's, this looks like a team that I would have drafted and been very, very happy with it. Good uh, uh, spacing again between acres and Henderson. I think Henderson may end up scoring more fantasy points than acres Singletary uh, through the draft uh, with the addition of cook Singletary is the one running back that, uh, was not really affected. I, I don't think in, in the, the, frequency of usage uh, that he'll have there in Buffalo with the acquisition of James Cook. So it's a good job. Yeah, not a terrible idea to lock up the backfield for the defending Super Bowl champs here as he gets to Kobe Myers here. Uh, Stuart Keene does in the 14th round. Frank Imbornoni, let's talk about his team here. Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, Traylon Burks, Christian Kirk, some explosive players there at receiver. James Conner, Cordero Patterson, Chase Edmonds, and Raheem Mostert. So he gets the Dolphins backfield. Mark Ingram on there as well. Hawkinson, Tunyon, and Mo Alley-Cox. Josh Allen is his quarterback. This, I mean, Frank is has always been a solid drafter, in my opinion, and I think this is another one here. I guess I'd be a little bit worried about the backfield, but you can make that up in in a in a managed league. You can make up your uh, second running back. Yes, I would have liked to have seen him pair the rookie uh, Allgaier out of, out of Brigham Young. Yeah. I think this is a perfect landing spot, and he could have got him uh, on the cheap. Um, but th- this draft uh, name brands. Uh, Again, uh, uh, Mo Alley Cox is going to be challenged by a younger tight end. Uh, I'm going to quit talking about the younger tight ends. And just <laughs> see if someone would draft them before we go to the other draft. But you know what? Uh, uh, 
and, and another commentary, I talked about quarterback uh, possibly earlier. These guys uh, here, uh, they follow the lead of top drafters in the FFPC, and that's weight on quarterback. Look at some of these quarterback values in the 12th round. Some guy named Aaron Rodgers. How do you get Aaron Rodgers in the 12th round? Carr, and along with Deshaun Watson, that no matter how many games he plays, and I think he plays a full schedule, he's now going to be there with Josh Allen, so I don't know when you start him, but what what great uh, two great quarterbacks to have on a team. That's a spicy take on Watson. We're going to have to investigate that over the next few weeks for me, Farrell, because I'd love to hear that. Let's get into uh, the machine, Jake Belish, uh picking at three tonight. Farrell, if you're picking at three in the FFPC, Taylor and Cup are off the board. Is McCaffrey your guy there? No, because I'm going to let everyone else take that risk. I'm, mm. I'm, uh, there's too many other good players. He's not separating himself from this other talent that's available here. I, w- I would rather have Eckler. Uh, I can make a case for Harris. Uh, Derrick Henry just keeps rolling along. If I want to go running back, let's let the four or five or six team take the risk on McCaffrey. And and Brown, Allen, McLaurin, explosive players there. He gets Thielen and Woods, so top five receivers I'm on board with. Yes. Uh, Elijah Mitchell and Miles Sanders, I, you know, I think there's some good upside there when you wait until the fifth and sixth round. You get James Cook in the ninth who's going to catch passes, pounding yeah. out a couple more receivers with Crowder and Landry, a couple of PPR guys. And Joku, as a tight end, 18, I don't know if I – I definitely am way too neurotic to take David and Joku <laughs> as, my, as my first tight end in the 10th round. Jake is more talented than I am. Evan Engram, he adds, as well as Dak Prescott. So I think that while it's a bulky-esque team pounding the running backs and receivers in the first nine rounds, I don't know if I could have waited that long on tight end. We'll see how it works out for Jake. The last team I want to talk to before we flip over to Revelations coverage here is John Walter at the second spot here tonight. Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, yummy Packers uh, running game for sure. Naheem Hines, Brian Robinson late. He gets Cup, Judy, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Russell Gage. So he gets the top two receivers, ostensibly the top two receivers in New Orleans this year in Thomas and uh, Olave Fryermuth and Irv Smith, Brevin Jordan as his third tight end in the 14th, Lamar Jackson, the cheat code at quarterback in the sixth round. I feel like uh, this team, although it does have cup, I feel like the upside is a little bit limited on this squad. I love Aaron Jones. Cup's going to be great. Outside of that, to me, Farrell, I see a lot of singles on this team, maybe not so many home runs. He could still win that way. It's just not something I would have done. Uh, I love two tight ends on this roster. That's Fryermuth and Jordan. Um, and Irv Smith, too. Well, yeah, that's the one I don't love. Oh, you don't like that one? <laughs> <laughs> two out of, as Meatloaf would say, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> but, you know, um, we remember back a couple years ago when C.D. Lamb was drafted in the ninth round and delivered enough points and enough excitement to propel a lot of teams to the win. That's what's happened with Chris Olave here. I feel much better about the Michael Thomas risk now that Olave has joined this team. Uh, Russell Gage is solid. It took me a long time to warm up with him uh, or to him rather, but that's a, that's a wonderful pick. Uh, Jordan is a tight end that I like uh, in that offense uh, for many reasons, fighting through adversity and the new coaching that he'll have down there. I like what's going to happen with that. You know, everybody is familiar with these players. It'll be interesting to see who the second uh uh, quarterback is uh, on this team. Not that he was going to play much, but uh, crawling in that mind of this drafter, there's some good players there to uh, that he can finish up and build this roster with. Yeah, John Walter, no stranger to FFPC success. All right, so here's what I'm going to do right now. 
What we're going to do is we are going to uh, leave the Genesis coverage here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to load up the Revelations coverage. And while I do this, Farrell, I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about not only the Draftmasters uh, going on with the K, uh, KFFSC, not only the Run to Daylight, but the main event going on this year, because it's an exciting time. Two decades, the 20th annual KFFSC going off this year. You know, Boggy, I think we have a lot of listeners maybe tonight that are not too familiar with the KFFSC. Um, what I wanted to do when I got involved with it, I had been drafting in Las Vegas, and I wanted to bring that uh, feel to our casinos locally and make it a, a regional, uh, a local draft for, for people that uh, were basically drafting in their basement or drafting with people that had no passion. I thought we had a lot of passion here for fantasy football in the Louisville, Kentucky area, and I was right about that. What I was happily surprised about is that when you and uh, the Dizzle came here and we uh, we came up with an idea that in addition to our cash prize that this year is a record $25,000 on a $300 buy-in, we would award five bids to the FFPC. And it sort of linked us uh, together with the FFPC that my idea was that we would take Kentucky players that perhaps had never had that experience to play in Las Vegas and write that check for them to participate in the FFPC. At one time, it was a quarter of a million, then 300,000, then half a million. And, they, you know, it would be the, one of the greatest thrills that I've ever had. If one of our uh, top five finishers uh, punched his ticket to Las Vegas and uh, took a shot at that $1 million that uh, parlayed their $300 Kentucky team. Uh, all the way into Las Vegas. What I've been initially uh, thrilled to learn is that uh, fantasy players love a good game and a great compliment to us is that uh, they've come to Kentucky uh, as well as two weeks later go to uh, the FFPC and make this an early and a prep start um, to uh, come here and compete. And some of the players um, from, the, I suppose, for lack of a better word, you would call a national player, some of the players have said that they uh, enjoy the competition here, that it is very, very difficult to play here, and it sharpens them to become the players uh, that they have. Now, right now we have Draftmaster, uh, $39 standalone Draftmasters that are quite popular. Um, our run to daylight was, was born out of the necessity for people to do something during COVID, and it's... Uh, it stayed popular. The grand prize is $5,000. The entry fee is $200. There's only 96 teams that you'll compete for. And we, we advance uh, 16 of those teams to compete. Uh, that was something else that was taken away from COVID. Our basketball tournament here in Kentucky is called the Sweet 16. So we developed our uh, $5,000 prize. Anyone, uh, and we call it the championship of the Sweet 16, and anyone that, that enters into that uh, Sweet 16 after week 14 is a prize winner. And then our main event, uh, the last weekend of August, two weeks before we all uh, jump on the plane and head to Las Vegas for the FFPC, uh, our main event's a $300 prize. And if you're like Eric Baltman, you come in, a $300 entry and a $5,000 grand prize. And if you're like Eric Bachman, you start drafting when your podcast is over on Friday night. And you <laughs> Sometimes <drive> before. <laughs> you drive through the entire weekend. And uh, so you can come here and play almost as much as, as you, you possibly can uh, around the clock sometimes. You know, Balky, last year, 
Uh, we had a 7 a.m. draft mm. on Sunday morning. I lived through it. Uh, we also had on um, mm. uh, Friday and Saturday night, midnight drafts. So we, when we say around the clock, you could really do it, but you could come here uh, and, and play as much or as little as you want. But whatever you do, you're going to have great competition and you're going to have a good time. And, and that's what we promised to deliver here. So awesome. I mean, I think I, I set a record, a personal record last year. I dra- I landed, the plane landed. I got to the casino, drafted one, did the podcast, drafted two more that night, did an auction and a midnight one Friday night. Saturday morning, did an early one, then a mid-morning one, uh, afternoon, late afternoon, evening one, if I'm remembering correctly. And then Sunday, I think was Sunday was the bourbon turn where we incorporated some bourbon into drafting with, of course, uh, uh, Travis Cox and Jason Kahn and all those guys. That was a lot of fun. And then I think I did three more on Sunday. And Saturday, I was really hitting a wall. I'm like, God, I shouldn't have done this. But as I'm on the flight home, and, and I'll say this for FFPC too, I'm like, I'm really glad I did that because it was so much fun. Like, I don't regret it. I love to do it again this year. We, we shall see um, how it, it shakes out this year. I'm really looking forward to Louisville this year. And you can draft in Cincinnati the week before too, which is uh, – yes. so, so this, this should be the schedule for all high-stakes players. Cincinnati – then Louisville, Football Guys Draftathon, FFPC main event in Las Vegas. That's the last four weeks of drafting season. It's going to be great. We're kicking off drafting season tonight. We already did the Genesis coverage. We'll get into the revelations right now. I'll tell you that Andrew Schellenberger and David Hofer are the defending 2021 champs of this league. Tonight, Matthew Flager is drafting first. John David, JD, the Ghost Dis- uh, Goat District uh, FC team, he is drafting second. Ron Meyer, the... Um, I would say the godfather of revelations, two Packer drafting third, Todd Hunter hitting cleanup in this draft. The Huggers selecting fourth, Theo Greminger fifth tonight, Dan Williamson and David Hubbard, uh, David Hubbard, beg your pardon, uh, selecting sixth, uh, Schellenberg, the defending champ at seven. Chris Flint is drafting eighth tonight, Bip Lab Mandel doing double duty tonight. He's drafting ninth, as is Jake Felish. He and Greg McLean pay the Manning, drafting yeah. tenth tonight. Darren Armani, who we already alluded to earlier in the podcast, He's drafting 11th and, of course, finishing things off tonight. Jason Kulaga drafting 12th. I'll bring up the draft board right now. We can kind of assess this team by team as best we can moving forward here as we are already in the 13th round of uh, the uh, of the Revelations draft here. And, Farrell, let's, what better way to kick it off than with Team 1? And we'll just kind of go team by team right now before we shift back into our pick-by-pick analysis here tonight. So Team 1 in this draft, as I just alluded to, it is Matthew Flager who is drafting first. It is uh, no surprise here. Jonathan Taylor goes first. Now here you get more of a, as Farrell would say, more sensible Tyreek Hill pick. 201 for Tyreek Hill. Is that more in the neighborhood of Hill where you want to be in business with him at the end of the second round? You know, and it may Huge burn me. 201, excuse me. It, it may burn me, but, you know, when when I'm in the second round and Tyreek Hill's on the board, I'm drafting him wherever I can get him and as, as often as I can. So if you're sitting at that number one spot, uh, based on earlier information, you, you had to know that Hill was coming to you. But I would be thrilled to have Tyreek Hill in that position. Yeah, for sure. I love Aaron Jones at the 301, Josh Allen. So you're getting, you know, you could make the argument you're getting the best quarterback and the best running back here for Flager. He still gets McLaurin, Gabriel Davis here. And then you get Ertz and Tunyon. Tunyon coming off the ACL. We see Drake London here as the number four receiver for this squad. And he's hitting the running backs hard, Farrell. I don't know about you, but this is a strategy I utilize quite a bit. Once I have my quarterback, once I have my tight end, if I got a good bunch of receivers, I'm going to pound the running backs in the mid-rounds. 
Ramondre Stevenson, who I know I drafted in the run to daylight Kentucky uh, fantasy football state championship draft on Sunday. I know I have him. He also gets Isaiah Spiller, who I own in a couple of dynasty leagues, Naheem Hines, Jamal Williams. This is what you do in these leagues. If you get Jonathan Taylor early, if you get Aaron Jones, then and and then you don't take a third running back until the 10th round. You get to pound these guys. They may only serve a purpose for you for two or three weeks, maybe only one or two weeks, but they can be invaluable as you try to beat these other 11 teams. Spiller's got the biggest upside of any of these late round running backs because he could prove us that everyone was wrong in discounting him in the draft, including all the NFL teams. I do not like the price paid for these tight ends. Perhaps mm. Tanyan gets a bounce back here, but this is too much of a price uh, to pay for Zach Ertz. Let's let that, let's see if he could slide down. And then look, no one likes Zach Ertz skill set better than I like it. We've got questions at the quarterback and we've got another rookie tight end in there. I want to see what this looks like in August before I want to spend a seventh rounder on Zach Ertz. Do you so so? I'm, th- this is interesting because, like, with Trey McBride going to Arizona, wouldn't you think that would cause Ertz to become a value? It hasn't really happened yet in the FFPC, has it? No, and um, I want to see them both on the field together, and then I think he would be justified to take Ertz here. He's a glorified slot receiver, uh, but you know, there's a lot of confusion about what this team is. I don't understand their identity. Uh, Rondell Moore and how they used him last right. year. I didn't like it, and I don't know how quickly that's going to change. There's just a lot of things about the Arizona Cardinals that I don't want to be in business with, and especially when they're putting that draft capital into a talented tight end. It certainly was not a reach. Uh, perhaps Ertz is being uh, will be utilized a little differently than fantasy players would be happy about uh, and what we've been accustomed to over the last few years. Moving to JD's team here from the GOAT district. Now he does take McCaffrey here as his uh, mm-hmm. number one running back. And then he waits on running back. And then he said, he kind of does the same thing that Flager was doing here from the, uh, from the one spot. He pounds out Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon, Khalil Herbert, Rashad White here from rounds eight through 11, hoping to get some value there throughout the season, which I think he'll get some there. Brown, Higgins, Mike Williams, Rashad Bateman. He waits on receiver again. Now he gets Christian Watson in the 13th round, much later than where we saw him go in Genesis. He gets Mm -hmm. Dalton Schultz in the fourth round, Hertz and Stafford, Tucker in the 14th. The first kicker is off the board Mm -hmm. here in Revelation. Thinking over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Dalton Schultz, fourth round pick. Farrell, he was the sixth tight end off the board. I don't know if I would have been able to pull the trigger on Schultz there. Um, yeah, uh, perhaps the tight ends, um, it seemed like they got pushed up in revelations a little bit more than Genesis. I know the Genesis board up there anymore, but at that point, I think, and I know he's on the, he's on the end. So you kind of don't yeah. know what's going to come back to you, but I don't know. I, at that point, I'm not sure if I would have been able to do it. Well, it worked out all right. I would have taken him earlier in the, I, I would have taken him as the number two, uh, spot in the fifth. I probably would have gambled on that and it, it probably would have worked out. Okay. Uh, however, with the receiver, Mike Williams, it's, it's just fine. Schultz is, uh, is one of my uh, top picks at tight end. One of the reasons that you get value from him is that you wait a little later to get him. But, hey, I'm not arguing with it because Hawkinson went off uh, in the fifth round. So, yeah, I would rather have the player than, than 
have to look smarter getting him later and letting <laughs> someone else have him. So uh, good for you. I was going to uh, go through um, Ron Meyer uh, in his team right now. I'm going to pause. Two packers. Yeah, we're gonna do. Oh, we we're gonna. We will do. Coming two, on. No, no, he's not coming on. But we're not gonna get two packer here. We're gonna get twenty six packer <laughs> coming on right now to talk about his draft from the ten. Jake, is that you? My screen's too small. Yes, sir. Jake, hey, sir. Greg McLean up? and Jake for like 26 so, Greg, so is Greg with you, Jake? He's on speakerphone. Oh, okay. I, I'm trying try to get him close to the microphone. I'm I I marvel at your multitasking. You're drafting in Genesis, you're drafting in Revelations, and now you're on our broadcast tonight, still communicating with Greg. So let's let's talk about your revelations draft here since we have it up on the board. You're drafting 10. You go with uh, nary a receiver until the fifth round. Talk a little bit about yours and Greg's philosophy on pounding those running backs early here. Well, I like Greg taking control of the draft early on, and uh, he did a great job. We, we felt like we could get some good wide receivers late. We like Crowder, Galladay, Gage, those those types. Ayuk uh, felt like we could we could you know stream them from time to time. Um, but you know, we felt like we could get good value late with the uh, with the wide receivers, so we just decided to go running back early because we, we feel like this year uh, there's there's a big push to draft wide receiver early, uh, so we kind of like reverse the trend there. What do you? I mean, is Kittle a value for you? Tight end five here, you get him at the at the three ten. Is that a value right now? Are high stakes owners sleeping on that guy? We love Kittle there. I mean, I've, I've done a couple of early best ball drafts with my uh, brother-in-law, and uh, we, we were taking him at the, uh, you know, the, the early third, uh, late second. So when, when he fell, that, that was, uh, you know, that was kind of a no-brainer to us. Uh, what do you think, Greg? Oh, uh, yeah, that taking uh, getting the top three tight end always helps. The running backs, we just, we crushed everybody in this league last year, all year with the running backs. So I just wanted to figure we should do it again. Greg, if you were um, drafting in a football guys draft and you already had Kittle, do you think you would have shied away from Brandon Ayuk in the seventh round? Or is that still a player you would have gone after, regardless of if you're trying to beat 11 players or, you know, 11,000? Well, I, generally, I wouldn't like the two receivers on the same team. But, uh, I mean, Debo or Ayuk, somebody, uh, it, it shouldn't affect them too much. The different position doesn't bother me a lot. Yeah, what, do you got, what are you guys thinking at 15-10 here? You got, um, what, six receivers on the squad. You got five running backs, already a pair of tight ends. You got Justin Fields. You going to go quarterback again or something? something a little bit different here? Greg's the brains of the operation, so I'll let him decide. I think we have to go with another quarterback. I think we're going to go with Kirk Cousins. Kirk, so NFC North quarterbacks abound for, for 26 Packer here. Two Packer, may, two Packer may be a Packers fan. 26 Packer loading up on those NFC North quarterbacks. Jared Goff, surely to come later on in the draft. Um, zero quarterback. <laughs> zero quarterback, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, can you, can you, Jake, talk a little bit? Of, and I can't remember what you did in Genesis, but can you talk a little bit about James Cook and what you foresee uh, from a redraft perspective this year in Buffalo? 
you know, you know, the thing we like about James Cook is uh, you, he's he's going to be the pass catching running back straight out of the gate. Like they yes. tried to get um, uh, the guy from Washington, uh, McKissick. JD McKissick, JD McKissick, and you, you know, they're looking for a pass catching running back. So we feel like James Cook will have a role straight away. So I, I felt like he's he was a guy that you know he's got upside, but. He'll also have like some weekly flex value, so you know, come an injury or something like that, he's also you know we could plug him in for like you know a big upside guy, but you know he's definitely a flex guy. We can like push him from time to time. And, and I, I, I've been a Jameson Crowder uh, proponent, uh, albeit at a little bit later draft position. Um, I'm curious if you continue looking at that Buffalo Bills draft and what you might be doing in the upcoming rounds. There's another, there's a rookie receiver up there that is one of my favorite players. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious if he has uh, uh, crossed your bandwidth yet. Maybe we'll, we'll see. I won't, I won't tip any further. Well, I, I, I don't know his name, but I know of him. <laughs> uh, but, but we just felt for this year for redraft that, you know, Crowder was going to be the guy to fill that Cole Beasley role. And, uh, you know, him going in the 14th, 15th round, I, I, it's just, you know, I like him. We cut those guys anyway. So I'm willing to take the chance on him. I, I like it. And I'm telling you, you got four rounds left. And I'll go look at that Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay. So, speaking of rookie receivers, the guy you just took in the 16th round was a rookie receiver for the Chargers last year, Joshua Palmer. And he was a guy I was high on Dynasty. And then oh, the we Chargers, took him? Yes, you took him. You took him uh, at, at the 1603. Um, so, so, now, this is interesting because I was super high on him in Dynasty. They give Mike Williams a, a boatload of money. But, Greg, it sounds like, you know, Keenan Allen could miss time. Mike Williams, no stranger to the trainer's table. All of a sudden, Josh Palmer could could pay off dividends here in the 16th round for you. Right. Anybody anybody from one of those teams, same with Juju. We have Juju from KC. Somebody's got to catch the ball. Those quarterbacks are going to throw it, no matter who's out there. So Allen's old, Keenan Allen's old, and Mike Williams is always something. So Palmer's working the 16th. You know, one in doubt, draft an SEC wide receiver. It's always the move to make. Um, I'll tell you who else is something. Jake Leach and Greg McLean drafting from the 10 spot in Revelations. Jake also drafting in Genesis tonight. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate making an appearance tonight. I'll let you get back to uh, to your drafts and your conversation. We appreciate you popping aboard, though. Thanks, guys. Jake and a Greg popping in. Okay, so we should probably get back. Greg Balky, I just got to tell you, I think we're going to see them in Kentucky this year. Oh, really? Because I do think we're going. That's awesome. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. Um, you always talk about players expanding your ter- uh, expanding their territory. The commish expanding his territory. Please. Uh, yeah, internationally speaking. Not with necessarily Jake and Greg, but the, that'd be awesome to get those guys in Louisville for sure. All right, so, so let's get into uh, two Packers draft here. Uh, at the three spot, Farrell, four straight running backs. I don't think I have ever in all my years of playing redraft fantasy football, not saying it's right or wrong. I don't think I've ever started off with three straight running backs, but I I do notice this. I'm wearing my Florida State hat tonight, Florida State fan. 
Ron Meyer, big Florida State fan as well. Dalvin Cook, Florida State in the first round. Cam Akers, Florida State in the third round. He gets Chubb and Elijah Mitchell. That's a lot of touches. That's a lot of carries. It's a lot of catches. It's a lot of touchdowns there in the first four picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got snaked, I think, on Henderson. You know, uh, we we have stories of Ron Meyer that would all have to be contextually laid out, and I'm tempted to tell one, so I'm just going to stay with this team. And whatever Ron <laughs> Meyer does, you know, I find myself doing it immediately. He's He's gone to the old school tight ends, and, and I like what he's stacked up there. It'll be interesting when Gronkowski makes his commitment. And I think Hunter Henry's kind of the forgotten man. Um you know, I'm. I would like to see uh, one of the things just right as we finished the draft last weekend. We're we're sitting here in a situation where um, th- there's just not a lot of youth uh, uh, coming into the, some of these teams. Uh, but Meyer, uh, you know, what can you say? He knows what he's doing. He's a handy vet, and we look forward to seeing him this year. And and so he gets all those running backs early, and then he kind of gets, I don't want to say steady Eddie's, but you kind of, you, you have known, I'd like to yeah. say you have known floors for the receivers here in the yeah. middle. Sutton. Yeah, I would like to see some explosive young receivers finish out this draft for him. Yeah. And then and, I think he's got a complete draft. And, and he's hitting the running backs hard here again with uh, Chuba Hubbard, Trey Sermon, Kyron Williams. But he gets Sutton, Thielen, Gallup, Tyler Boyd, Sammy Watkins here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, Rob Gronkowski, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, nice pick in the 13th round. I like that one there. Fantastic. Um, I mean, that, the dual flex, Balky. Yeah, that's, that's another, yeah, point and a half per catch uh, for tight end and the dual flex. Um, he's got a lot of options here with the way he has structured his draft. So two-packer, once again, and I believe he told me that the write-up is coming, uh, the Revelations write-up, the famous Revelations write-up that has not always happened every single year. It is coming back this year. We'll look forward Busy to man. To see that on Twitter for sure. All right. Todd Hunter, another longtime Revelations player. Uh, he gets Cooper Cup at the 104. Farrell, you'd be jumping up in the air and clicking your heels if you got Cooper Cup at the 104, right? Uh, Cooper Cup and Darren Waller. Uh, yes. Oh, and Waller in the second. Yeah. Fantastic stack to start this draft. Uh, tremendous work. Bonky, um, what's your position on Kamara? I think you know mine. I'm not so sure I know yours. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let the listeners behind the or the viewers behind the curtain a little bit. Um, I was drafting in the um, run to daylight on Sunday, and um, I was also commissioning at the same time. I've never done this before. I've never drafted a team and commission. Now it's early enough in the season where I was only watching one draft, um, so it wasn't a big deal. However, I kind of let um, and this is a shout out to Draft Sharks, Matt Schaub, Jared Smola, Lenny Papano, and the like. Uh, I kind of let Jesus take the wheel on that run to daylight draft so to speak, because I was worried that I wouldn't be able to pay enough attention to it. So I was, I was using their MB, their dynamic MVP board and almost to, to, to a fault when I only differentiated what they said uh, or what their rankings said a couple of times, but I did take Alvin Kamara in, and I believe he was a second round pick for me in that draft. And I was of the opinion that I know that Schauff and Smola have won awards for their projections before. And I'm a little nervous about Kamara because I don't know about the legal process. I do know historically the legal process in the NFL plays out slowly. And I and you could probably talk a little bit about the Deshaun Watson thing here as long as you're talking about Kamara and your belief on him playing a full season. But with Kamara, I kind of when it when it got down to it, I looked at the viewpoint like, okay, Winston, Thomas, Olave, maybe this offense is back. 
Um, no uh, Sean Payton. So Taysom Hill is probably not going to see a lot of quarterback time this year. And it's going to be a lot of Winston. This could be more of a traditional offense. I know how talented Kamara is catching the ball. I know how talented he is, is running it. So I took the chance and, and I drafted him again. I believe it was the second round. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but I think based upon that and, and maybe it's confirmation bias, I was just looking for reasons to reinforce that. But I know Smola and Shelf are smart. I believed in them. And as a result, I'm believing in Kamara this year. Uh, that's a good summary right there, Bucky. And I, uh, he's the type of player that even if he misses time, when he does come back, he can catch you up very quickly. And he would come back uh, right at the time where we begin to experience some bye weeks. Uh, I don't have any complaint about uh, having Kamara on the team. I would rather take... I would rather take that risk of his availability uh, than some of the risk with some of the injured players that I see being taken. Now, he, he went on to get Ezekiel Elliott. When I get Ezekiel Elliott, I'm a believer in Ezekiel. Um, but I also want to have Pollard close behind. And I, I, I'm trying to look at where Pollard went in this He draft. was uh, eighth round in this draft. Yeah, um, see, I want yeah. to put him in the seventh round and put them together. Um, and and possibly even play them together, especially with the bye week. I love the I love the selection of the rounds ten and eleven running backs. Uh, people are going to get to know uh, the BYU product, Al Geyer, and and he's likely uh, to go much higher as it becomes uh, evident as to uh, how the Falcons are going to use it. I feel like you've been talking about Allgaier since, since like March, like early March or February. Fair. Uh, you know what? I really haven't. Uh, but um, he's he's the kind of player that you appreciate the more you like him. And we talked last week about when we did our show on Wednesday mm-hmm. about how important landing spot is. Well, he's an example of one of the players that that won the landing spot lottery. He goes into a team that. Um, will give him time and give him opportunity. The other running back, uh, they just released Davis and the other running back there in the backfield. Uh, There's a player that the the oddly successful, as we said last year, uh, Cornell Patterson, you know, a 31-year-old converted wide receiver slash player. So I like what's going on there. It's a youth movement there in Atlanta. And uh, he will be one of the running backs that uh, gets his opportunities quickly. Uh, Al Guyer joining the long list of potential league winners as we we talk about the mid-round running backs here going forward. You never know. Um, and certainly uh, Todd Hunter putting his stamp on Tyler Al Guyer here in the 11th round. A couple of things I need to clear up from the YouTube chat. Number one, uh, I was drafting in the KFFSC while I was commissioning in the FFPC. Was sure. not was not drafting in the league I was commissioning in. Thank you, Viplad Mandel. Um, so I just want to make that clear. And then the other thing too, Hudson Kern Reed Farrell, not impressed with the Revelations draft in comparison to the Genesis draft tonight. Hmm. Uh, he's saying hmm. that mostly for entertainment purposes, but the gauntlet has been thrown down. Well, you know, between there, there's no gauntlets left available once Bip Lab and, and Hudson Kern Reed break and take opposing sides. You know, <laughs> they've, they've utilized all the uh, gauntlet availability. 
it's a recession, depression kind of situation. I totally get it. Theo Greminger picking fifth tonight. Let's talk about his team in Revelations. So um, he gets Lamar Jackson in the sixth. Love it. Yep. Um, Leonard Fournette, James Conner in rounds two and three. He gets A.J. Dillon in the seventh, which I think that's a, that's a good pick. I, I just I can't rationally talk about the Packers, apparently, because I just love everybody there, except for Sammy Watkins, obviously. Uh, Raheem Mostert, Kenyon Drake, Snoop Conner. Um, all added to the backfield for Greminger here. Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, Kadarius Toney, Rondale Moore, Jahan Dotson, the rookie there um, at wide receiver 58 in the 13th round. Albert Okuwepanam, Cole Komet, Brevin Jordan are his tight ends. Farrell, I know you like Brevin Jordan for sure as his third tight end, tight end 27 in this draft. What's your prognosis? What do you think about Chris Godwin? How fast is he going to be back from that torn ACL that he suffered late in the 2021 season, does that make him a good uh, selection here at the 505 for Theo? That's the only reason he's available there, and I can live with it. I probably would not have um, – I probably wouldn't have gone that way with some surefire receivers that went after him. However, um, it makes sense to me. He's a player that I admire greatly, and I hope he gets back on the field. I, what I notice about this team – is uh, one of my favorite players, uh, Raheem Mostert, the one that can't stay healthy. <laughs> Mostert could. I really love the the selection of the rookie Devon. We haven't seen a Drake sighting. I love the Drake. Love the Drake last year. And if he comes back healthy to an improved coaching situation um, with the Raiders, uh, that's a, that's a good thing too. Uh, there's there's players here on this team that I would really like to have this drafters. Um, explanation of and why he likes them and the way he does because i i'm missing some things here he's coming up on the clock here in the 18 yep. mm-hmm. uh, but it it's um I, I don't really care for his his tight end selection um and and i hope i'm proven wrong about that because i i i kind of like albert o as a player but we're here to win fantasy games and uh i just don't think there's going to be enough um uh, for him with the other tight end that was added in the draft. Tyler Batty, Beatty, what is it, Farrell? Tyler Beatty or Batty? Uh, Batty. Batty, Uh, Tyler Batty off the board. Running back out of Missouri. Uh, We've talked about him on the show before. I like him, New Orleans kid. I think that's a steal in the 18th round. He has just as much a chance as as breaking through there that anyone does. Um, Let's move on and talk about the Williamson Hubbard team here uh, from the sixth spot pounded uh, the receivers early. In fact, five of their six uh, selections were indeed receivers. Jamar Chase, Mike Evans, Michael Pittman, Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. You get Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders to go along with those running backs. Uh, The GOAT, Tom Brady, who apparently admitted that the uh, tuck rule may have been a fumble. Um, Delighting (laughs) Raiders fans everywhere, Farrell. I, I know that you probably weren't I don't know how you felt about that because you probably already always thought that it was a fumble. And now you get the goat admitting like, yeah, it might've been a fumble. Yeah. um, That, um, what year was that Balky? Was it 2001? That sounds right. Does it go back that far? Um, The, yeah, that was a very, very special day for me. And I, I watched that game and, uh, and, and enjoyed. Special day for you, right? Until that point, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, uh, we're in the later rounds, and we can talk about what they've done later as well. Uh, I really love their rookie receiver Tolbert. 
especially in the situation. There's another rookie receiver that they can put with uh, their uh, Darnell Mooney from from the Bears. I'd like to see that. Robinson and Mooney separated uh, um, in Chicago, but not here on this roster. You know what I think of Evans and Pittman. These guys know what they're doing, as, as all these drafters do. they got value in Carter. Um, they probably know something about some of these running backs that I don't. Um, I haven't heard a lot of commentary about Gamewell, Balky. You have anything to say about Gamewell? He goes in the tenth round here. Yeah, I mean, not Seems especially a high to me, but uh, yeah, he flashed. Well, I, I'll say this, and and speaking of fantasy mojo, we're going to have him joining the, the program just in a little right. bit. But I'll say about um, Gainwell is is um, you know F- Philly. Well, maybe we should ask Darren Armani about this, given that, yeah. that he's a Philly fan, but. But I, I just I, I look at it like okay they they draft Devonte Smith they draft Jalen Rager they trade for AJ Brown I guess I'm just unconvinced that they're all of a sudden going to be a passing team when they've been the most run dominant team and getting a, a share of that and Kenneth Gainwell might serve you well especially when you're only putting up um, a tenth round pick let's go to our resident Eagles fan and we're going to bring him on right now he's drafting from the 11 spot tonight he runs FantasyMojo.com you follow him on Twitter at FantasyMojo. The one, the only, Darren Armani. Welcome to the program tonight. How are you, Darren? Good, guys. How you doing? You hear me okay? Yes, you're coming through excellent. You're drafting uh, from the 11 spot. We're going to get to your team in a second. What do we make of the Eagles' backfield? What do we make of the Eagles' philosophy, knowing that they've drafted Rager, that they've drafted uh, Devontae Smith, that they've traded for A.J. Brown, um, but that they are a, have been, historically, the last couple of years, a run-heavy team? How do we make sense of this? Uh. I think if, if you followed them, they, they did trend more towards a pass-heavy team towards the end of the year. Um, but I, I, I the weapons, I mean, I wouldn't be taking anybody besides A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. And even then, um, it's – and then, you know, Goddard as well. But guys outside of that, Hurts? it's, it's dicey. I mean, Jalen Hurts has to play a role in this, right? He's still a running quarterback. Um and I, I would certainly, but he's not. When they were talking, who were they talking about? Um, well, we know what he they got AJ Brown. I mean, the ceilings are now capped on these guys because Hertz just isn't. He isn't the prototypical passer. So, well, Darren, um, go ahead and talk about all Eagles. I mean, get Boston Scott in there. It's Avi Balky <laughs> wants you to talk about these Eagles. We want you to show some excitement about these. Apparently, apparently, there's no love. Well, but but no, just, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's tough this to get too what, excited about them. Exactly, DeFerrell. This is what we're learning tonight. Darren Armani, the pulse of the Philadelphia Eagles, not excited for him. No, why should we be excited for him? Yeah, exactly. Stay away Do from you the ever Eagles. Go against the mojo you're looking at your own numbers and say well that's not gonna hold here's what i mean, what I, mean. <laughs> I have i haven't drafted too many of them to be honest with you um so that's that's kind of where i'm at but uh but yeah now this this is this is an interesting draft that we're in um with, with all the goat district guys it, it's this is almost like a a rookie draft that we're doing they're like they're just sucking up all those rookies well, and we have seen that um, uh, in, in the process tonight. How do you, as we are, we're wrapping up, you're coming on your final pick here, Darren. Um, you already got uh, a kicker and a defense, so we're expecting you to wow us here, no pressure. But what do you think about your uh, your team here 
as uh, as we're wrapping up, what what do you think about its uh, chances of contending for a title? It's uh, it's an interesting team. I'll, I'll admit that I I uh, I end up doing the same thing as at the team in um, Genesis with the Thomas and Olave picks. Uh, you are smart up move. next. I think I think it's a, it's a contender. It's not like the strongest draft that I've ever had, to be honest with you. But I think it's going to come down to my receivers, um, the uh, the running backs that I have. I, I'd say I've got some resiliency there with uh, with both of the Houston options. Obviously, the the hero RB with Mixon, and if Ed, Edmonds can deliver, that would be outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Pierce. I think that's a really good pick. Yeah, we'll see. But in, like I said, we're we're four months away from the start of the season, so well. But you still have Dak, right? I mean, like that 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 dominant Texans running attack, and and right. I say that tongue in cheek. But <laughs> rounds they ten might, and eleven, man, you wrapped it up. They they might be better than we think. Um, so I'm I'm somewhat hopeful. But yeah, so I've got ideally, you know, whoever emerges there, and if that first waiver wire is just going to be now mayhem. You are on the clock. Yeah. Yes, it will. It will be mayhem. Um, all right, so you're on the clock right now. You, I mean, you, I would say you're maybe you're you're weak at tight end depth, but depth everywhere else looks good. What are you thinking here, Darren, in the twentieth? Oh, receiver. I took, I took Duvernay. I mean, technically he's the number two uh, wide out there. I got it. I got him with Andrews, twentieth um, pick. We'll we'll see what happens. Again, like that first waiver wire, we're going to be doing a mass re- reconstruction of our teams. Um, so I'm just putting some police, some, some pieces in place, you know, planting the seeds, see how things shake out. And then, um, hopefully we have some surprises, uh, over the course of the preseason. I, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's a contender. Um, but it's, it's, it's so far away from the, the regular season. We just, we don't know what's going to happen with any of these guys. How do you, how did your draft strategy change? You know, you mentioned the first waiver wire. You mentioned that we're four months away. You mentioned all this stuff. How does your draft strategy change, Darren, when you're drafting in April or May, as opposed to when you're drafting your main events in September? Well, in this particularly, because it's a confined league. Right. I don't, I went with some more of the handcuffs for the backs. Whereas if this was a football guys or main event, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just taken my shot at those guys. Um but uh, do you think that when when we're talking about, you know, drafting this early, do you find yourself going receiver like because like I look at this draft here in after nine rounds, you already had five receivers, only two running backs. Do you find yourself going receiver a little bit earlier in these drafts, um, knowing that there's so much could happen at the running back position over the course of a summer? Yeah, I mean, and to be honest with you, I've, I've kind of bought into the, um, you know, the wide receivers. They're, they're going to get you the points and the flex. So I've sort of leaned towards that uh, draft approach um, recently, and uh, I'm I'm surprised. Like two packer going four running backs that yeah. was that was crazy. Oh, the scotch is flowing tonight. The scotch. Yeah, the scotch. He, he, he came out of the metaverse. He he left he left the digital horses in the stable to come out and do a fantasy football draft. So. <laughs> I, I, how does a guy like that who's been racing digital horses? How do you even get up for the Kentucky Derby tomorrow? I don't yeah, even. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's going to look weird. They're not going to be digitized, so I'm not sure if he'll uh, be able to deal with that. <laughs> Was that the biggest surprise for you in this draft, Darren? As as you look at the draft board, only a couple of picks remaining here. Was that the biggest surprise? Was Tupac going 
with all those running backs in the first four rounds or is some, something else that stood out? You know, Schellenberg, you look at his draft, he goes rounds four through ten, all receivers. Yeah, I mean, that that, that looks pretty good. But it, it, a lot of guys, they, they, they're they taking the stabs. Like if I'm going against ADP, like I use the football guys ADP for this. But w- with this group, they're just getting their guys. And, you know, there were there was guys taken way ahead of probably where they should have. Um, so, but that, that crowd, they're like a, a dynasty type mindset. So it doesn't surprise me. A couple of chat uh, comments from the chat right now. Schellenberg, the defending champ of revelations. Uh, the nicest thing I could say about my draft. Thank God for the preseason waiver wire, uh, waiver wire run to have a starting quarterback as uh, right now, his only quarterback he drafted Deshaun Watson. Farrell, we're going to ask mm-hmm. you about that in a second. Um, and then the other thing, uh, two packer, thank God this draft is over. I need to get in some flash drafts in Zed. So he's already <laughs> focusing on the digital horses. The final pick goes off the board, LaVisca Chenault to uh, Matthew Flagger, and he's already switched into uh, digital horse mode. Um, Darren, uh, we certainly appreciate everything that you do uh, at fantasymojo.com, at fantasymojo on Twitter. For the uninitiated, if somebody was going to check out fantasymojo.com and their uh, FFPC player, why should they subscribe? If if you're playing FFPC and you don't subscribe, I, I, you know you'll you'll be at a disadvantage um, because a, a good portion of FFC, FFPC players are using you know the site and especially like for example tomorrow Dynasty drafts we're gonna have all the boards all the ADP live I'll be running the updates as the day progresses keep in touch and then this of course the uh, the Superflex Best Ball tournament that you just launched. I spent most of my day today getting ready for that. So as soon as those drafts hits, we'll have that data up there as well. Because that Superflex best ball slim is, you know, it's not as well known as some of the other formats. So I think people will, you know, really want to see what the data looks like for those. And you could always jump in thirty-five dollars. Uh, I already did. I, I signed uh, up. I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't specifically saying you. I was just saying. <laughs> I know you were going to jump. In I'm there. in there. That, that was that. That was no question. And I did one of Farrell's KFSC best balls too. We, we wrapped ah, that yeah, up. there you go. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. We are um, we are keeping seat warm for you in Kentucky. <laughs> it will be right next to Ron Meyer, where he switches from scotch to bourbon. And boy, do I have some stories about that. I will say about the mojo that knowledge is power and there is so much knowledge. I asked Balky, what, what's Daring got on it? What's, what's Armani? What's the mojo? And he shouts it out, but there's so much more information there that you can enlighten yourself. And it doesn't matter if you, if you uh, naturally you must be playing in the FFPC if you're serious about fantasy football business. But the information that you get, the knowledge that you get transfers to all drafts, and it, it leads you to success, whether it be in Kentucky or anywhere else you play. I don't know why you'd want to play anywhere else but those two places. But that's a whole nother thing. And we look forward to you coming down here and being part of it this year. And thank you, Darren, for that support. And thanks right, for chiming guys. in, Darren. We appreciate you uh, drafting. We appreciate you uh, making an appearance tonight. Keep up all the great work. We'll continue checking out fantasymojo.com. Andrew Schellenberg, the defending champion of Revelations. You are, I'm quoting him. This is not me saying this. You are an effing moron to not subscribe. Luckily for me, there are still morons out there. Give Mojo <laughs> more income. I support that uh, 100%. I'm Eric Balkman, and I approve this message. Darren, thank you so much. Oh, I know you got a busy weekend ahead of you, dude. Thanks so much for everything you do. All right, guys. See you. Darren Armani at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, fantasymojo.com. Make sure you are subscribing. Speaking of Andrew Schellenberg, let's get into his squad at the seventh spot. I don't want to say 
He's got dynasty fever going on, but let's count the rookies here, Farrell. Brees Hall, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Zamir White, Pierre Strong, Isaiah Pacheco. These are the, th and I'll tell you this, um, I drafted in the KFFSC pre-draft. I had a bunch of rookies on my team. Uh -huh. Post-draft, didn't get as many. And I don't know if that's just because I, I wanted to take the chances pre-draft to see where these guys would, would land or, or what have you. But I definitely had fewer um, rookies in the post-draft uh, uh, selections that, that I've had uh, as opposed to pre. What do you make of all the rookies on uh, Clutch Like Shelley's team here? Well, I like this uh, in this format because he's taking a shot as to how they'll develop. And then he'll go fill out with veterans that he feels that he can get early. If he sours on these guys, he can go to the waiver wire and he can get some some uh, some veteran players early, or he can get another batch of rookies. I got three here. I, I cannot see uh, uh, Greg Dulich being drafted at tight end here, and that would have been a, a, a fantastic pick. Uh, the two other wide receivers that are being left off the boards here that should be ch uh, chosen in my mind is Avellis Jones, the new Chicago Bear, mm. and the fifth-round pick, Khalil Shakir. Um, Buffalo. Can, who can do practically everything. And, ba you know, it, based on where he is going um, and, and who he is going to be lining up with, uh, he, Crowder um, is a fantastic veteran receiver, but Shakir is the kind of player that they won't keep on the bench all year long. And those are just three guys with, with uh, who, who played excellent ball in college and have impressed um, in in their college or in their NFL prep work and, and walk to it. And I, I noticed that Wondell Robinson uh, from Kentucky uh, went in this draft, and and that's a that's a fantastic New York Giant. Uh, there's some great things happening with with the young players, and and you know last year there were some receivers that that went. Uh, after the third round, there was very, very little production. This is a different kind of year with different types of players, uh, much more depth at certain offensive skill positions, and a big, big pool of players. So I think you can uh, you can afford to take some uh, risk on the rookies, and that's what they've done. And of course, uh, there they are, sitting right there, dead center in the draft in the number nine position you they have chase claypool which guarantees them success <laughs> not a championship mind you but success um yeah uh we're gonna get into chris flint's uh uh choices in in a second here from uh from the eight spot but farrell i just want to let you know that the dizzle has posted in the chat room your uh vegas trip with him is oh. booked from june 26th through the 30th he also uh added the hashtag 26ers are welcome so if any of the 26ers want to travel out, hang out with the Dizzle and uh, the commissioner. The 26th. 26th through the 30th, they will be out in Vegas. Um, so that that's good stuff there. Chris Flint, let's get into his squad here um, from the uh, from the eight hole. Kyler Murray and Trevor Lawrence, okay, fine. At quarterback, Najee Harris, David Montgomery, uh, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Ryan uh, Brian Robinson, Keontae Ingram at running back, CeeDee Lamb, Marquise Brown, Brandon Cooks, Christian Kirk, Jamison Williams, George Pickens, Donovan Peoples-Jones, at receiver, tight end, Dawson Knox, Noah Fant, Jelani Woods. I don't have a problem with this. I, you know, I, again, I don't necessarily think that this team has the 
explosive firepower you'd like to see from a team just running away with it. But they can nickel and dime their way uh, to success in this league. Uh, obviously, when you get those three high-touch, known ceiling-type running backs in the first four rounds, I think there's a lot to like about that. Um, Jamison Williams, Christian Kirk, uh, explosive receivers that you're getting in the mid-rounds. George Pickens, the forgotten guy, DPJ in Cleveland. I think that's a guy we should be paying attention to as well. Yes. And and you don't ignore tight end completely. Knox in the ninth, sure. Noah Fant in the 12th, yes. Jelani Woods, the rookie with the untapped upside in round 19. This is what you should be doing with those late round picks. So I think this, I don't believe Chris drafted in this league last year, but uh-huh. for a guy coming in with a room full of sharks, I thought he did a pretty good, uh, solid job here, Farrell. Yeah, this is more than a solid job. Uh, he didn't draft last year, and he probably won't be invited back next year because he's going <laughs> to win it. Uh, it did, I love this team. I His weakness to me is a quarterback, unless Trevor Lawrence uh, matures in the way that we all hope he does. Jelani Woods, uh, you ever seen that Michael Jordan wings poster, Balky, where he's doing this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jelani yeah. Woods has I know the what same wingspan as Michael Jordan. Uh, Jelani Woods <laughs> is going to be a fantastic Red zone. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, a player that's flashed, now paired with Watson at quarterback. I love what he's doing there. I know how you feel about uh, Brandon Cooks. I, I get sort of uh, excited uh, looking at this team with what Pollard can do. Uh, we've already talked tonight about Brian Robinson's and the expectations of this player. Um, I would have done something different with I'm not a Kyler Murray fan, but that's okay. They've got enough quarterback. Uh, no, I, I think this team uh, is, is, is probably one of my favorite teams uh, in, in this whole draft. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough. To, I mean, you, you can pick out – everybody's going to have a weakness somewhere, and you can obviously see weaknesses everywhere. But I think this team, the weaknesses, um, the, the damages in the armor, the little weaknesses there – the Achilles heel is smaller on this team than maybe some others. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on over to uh, Bip Lab Mandel. Travis Kelsey, Pat Fryermuth are his tight ends. He gets Kelsey in the first round. I look at the running backs. Edwards Alaire, Kenneth Walker, Damian Harris, Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, Sony Michelle, Chris Carson. There's a lot of upside in those running backs there, especially where you got them in, in, in the draft. Diggs, Samuel, Deontay Johnson. You know what to expect from those receivers. Lazard could be uh, better than a lot of people think this year. Chark, we heard uh, in in the Genesis coverage uh, of why Brent was it Stu, Brent Studebaker talking up DJ Chark. I think it was in yes. in our number one. Um, Nicole Hardman, David Bell, an exciting guy out of Cleveland too. So I think you look at Bip Lab, you can tell that this is a guy who has been drafting a lot, not only over the course of his career, but a lot in 2022. He knew where these players are going to go. He knew where he could get some values, and he took advantage here from the nine spot. I don't care for his second quarterback. I love his first quarterback. This is probably the Biplav Mandel's teams are always a threat. This is probably a, a team that he might have felt he was doing a little bit of reaching. You know, we, we love Walker as a player here. Fryer Muth at this round in this format is a steal. Uh, you know, I defer to Biplav all the time. This one. Uh, you know, I think Biplev's gotten a little tired of drafting. From the 17th round on, I think we could have done a little something different. <laughs> all in all. Uh, well, he was drafting Genesis and Revelations. That's tonight. what I'm saying. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm not. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, th- those running backs late. You know, let's see what June 1st brings. You, every we, We've talked about Carson, and I hope uh, for his sake that he plays because I think he's an exciting player and he's been a contributing player to the league. Bip Lab, uh, 
Bip Lab has had better runs, but you know, Bip Lab doesn't have to be his best to win. No, he doesn't. That's true. And by the way, the defending champ of Genesis, Hudson Reeve, uh, has already commented in the uh, the YouTube chat that that he actually likes Bip Lab Mandel's Genesis team. Uh, so we're singing the praise of his Revelations team. Maybe Genesis is actually the stronger one tonight. But you know, uh, these will not be the only two strong teams that uh, mm -hmm. Bip Lab Mandel drafts uh, this year. Um, we already talked uh, uh, about Belish and, and McLean here at the 10. We already talked about Darren Monty here uh, at the 11. Let's wrap things up tonight with uh, Team 12. Uh, another guy, I, again, I don't believe he drafted in Revelations last year, but he's drafting in Revelations this year. It's Jason Kulaga with the aptly named Kulaga team here mm -hmm. at 12. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers on the same team. A lot of firepower there. Uh, but he did soak a fifth and eleventh round uh, round picks into getting Mahomes and Rodgers, Derrick Henry, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison, J.T. McKissick, uh, J.D. McKissick, beg your pardon, at running back, Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Sky Moore, Jacoby Myers, Tim Patrick, Curtis Samuel, and Julio Jones at receiver, Dallas Goddard, Mike Gesicki at tight end. Um, as I I look and kind of analyze this team, uber strong at quarterback. I don't think he needed to be that strong. In fact, he could have skipped Mahomes in the fifth if he was going to get Aaron Rodgers in the 11th and utilized another receiver here in the fifth round instead of going with Mahomes. I mean, Henry Gibson, uh, they should be heavy touch guys at, at running back. Dobbins, it, it certainly looks like based on what Baltimore's done in free agency and in the draft that they really want to be a power running team here. Uh, Singletary, again, we could be a starter for, for Buffalo, could get the lion's share of carries. Madison will be good but he needs Cook to go down. McKissick is kind of a wild card there at flex. The receivers, I mean, I, I, I really would have liked to see more here. Adams, a target hog in Las Vegas, but Hopkins can't do anything till week seven. Sky Moore is a rookie. Jacoby Myers, he's steady if unspectacular. Tim Patrick, very good, very talented. A lot of other guys at receiver in Denver. Curtis Samuel can make the same case after what we saw the commanders do in the draft. Julio Jones doesn't have a team yet. I think that's the weakness of this team. Running backs are okay. Receivers, not good. Yeah, I think you take Dobbins out and uh, probably Madison out and replace them with receivers, and this team's got a lot more firepower. He paid the cost. Oh, that Derrick Henry in the 12 spots. You know, it's hard for me to believe sometimes that, that that's available. So he's the first two picks are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the quarterbacks. Um, it's uh, – I, yeah, more receivers, uh, Dobbins and, and Madison replaced by receivers, and I think we've got a team that would have a little bit more legs. And we'll see. I mean, anything could happen, as, as Darren Armani said. Like, look, it's May 6th, right? And and when do, when do the real bullets start flying? Well, it's going to be another four months, you know? So, And, and that's fine. It's why, it's why we love drafting. It's why we love doing these, these video casts with, with the Genesis and Revelations coverage. And it's why we love the analysis from one Farrell Elliott, the commissioner oh. of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship in its 20th year. Sign up now for the Draft Masters, the main event, the run to daylight at kffsc.com. Farrell, I appreciate you hanging out with me for the early extra hour tonight. Uh, that was awesome. We'll be back at 10, 9 Central next week. Can't wait to have you again. Thank you, Balkan. and good luck to everyone. This is fun drafts. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. We will uh, talk to you again next Friday, Farrell. And for everybody else who tuned in tonight, on YouTube, uh, I want to thank you because, uh, and it seemed like the feedback that we got in YouTube for a lot of people, this is their first YouTube show that they're watching with the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. A lot of the feedback's been good. 
We saw a lot of great um, drafters tonight come on and make their picks live. And I do want to thank Brent Studebaker, Rob Marshall, Jake Belich, uh, Greg McLean, Darren Armani, of course, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for tuning in or streaming this later. Uh, we are back, as I alluded to with Farrell, next Friday, 10, 9 central, five-time FFPC dynasty winner, J.U. Tronkey. So I know we're kind of in redraft season, but I wanted to get Jay on to get his thoughts on the rookie draft uh, or the rookie drafts that will be uh, taking place in the FFPC tomorrow. Good luck to you if you're participating in those and sort of how the NFL draft shakes out for both dynasty and redraft purposes. I will talk with Jay about that next week. Remember, the uh, Superflex Best Ball Tournament is live, $10,000 grand prize, only a $35 entry fee. The FFPC Best Ball Tournament grand prize has been doubled this year, uh, $200,000, uh, and uh, the prize pool nearly doubled as well, well over a million bucks. There are dynasty startups available, not only rookie drafts going on tomorrow, but we're going to have plenty of dynasty startups available uh, for you over the course of the next few months. The early bird promo is active, not only in the Football Guys Players Championship, where if you sign up before June 30th and draft before July 15th, you get a free $35 team credit added to your account. And the FFPC main event early bird promo active. You want to take your shot at a million bucks? Do it now before the end of the month. You'll not only save $100 off your first team, you'll save $500 off each additional team, and you'll be entered into the pros versus Joe's drawing so you can draft uh, against uh, some of the best in the business in the FFPC and in the industry to take your shot at a free FFPC main event team in 2023. Um, plenty of slow, live, sit and goes going on uh, as far as the best ball options, uh, the slim, so on and so forth at myffpc.com. And don't forget about the Run to Daylight Championship, the KFFSC main event, and the Draft Masters at kffsc.com. Happy Mother's Day to everybody out there. And of course, your Mother's Day weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Before I sign off for the evening, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to wish a happy Mother's Day not only to my mother-in-law, but to um, my uh, mother. Um, Thank you for everything you've done. And, of course, my wife, uh, Mrs. Balky, who I think we alluded to this last week, still recovering from some uh, surgery. She's doing well. It's just been a slow process, tough surgery to come back from. She's doing well. Love you, honey. I know you are fast asleep and not watching this, but I still want to show you this later. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will be back 10-9 Central next week with J.U. Chonky. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.